with that being said, who is we? I am Jason. I'm the co-owner of the channel. You know me for some of the videos that we've done. Lawton, is everything good? Can you do that intro again? Because I did not unmute your mic. That was on <laughs> me, guys. I do apologize for that. I am a little rusty from the Christmas break, so I'm going to throw it back to you, Jason. Do your intro one more time for the people. Hi. Oh, don't freeze up now. Don't freeze up. Um, yeah, so uh, just kidding. Good joke. It was a good joke. We were just kidding. Um, so yes, what we are doing today is a very special edition of the live chat, something we've never done in the past before. I want to give a massive shout out to our Discord community, and in particular, a guy who goes by Holland is better than Hamzat, so you already know what his opinion is on some of these awards, but he does go by uh, Flea cook max on twitter so make sure you give this guy a follow because without him we realistically wouldn't be doing this so he's the one that kind of started everything out started the polls there and then we sent them out to twitter so that's how we did all this and get it all together but we will give the fan choice uh you know kind of uh, awards away when we get into this and then we'll give our opinions on it and so like I was saying, who is we? Who are the people that are giving our opinions after it? Of course, me, Jason, you know me well. I'm the co-owner of the channel. We've got Lawton, you know him very well. He's helping behind the scenes, sort of, well, trying. Yeah, trying my best, guys. <laughs> You're doing a great job. Uh, and then, of course, we got the return of our main man here, Pete C. Carroll. How was your Christmas, brother? Fantastic. You lucky, lucky people. You're so lucky. <laughs> what a Christmas present. I mean, you're spoiled. You're spoiled by us guys at MMA on point. Congratulations. Awesome. Awesome. Well, uh, there it is. We are blessed to have PT back in our lives. There we go. So he's going to be adding his two cents. He's had a chance to look at this stuff beforehand. You know, we're going to disagree with the fans sometimes here, and I think you are too. So we're going to have some good takes here. Hopefully. We'll see what happens. But, um, yeah, with that being said, I say we lead with the news. We jump right into it, fellas. What do you think? Let's do it. Yeah, yeah. All right, so let's go with... So we got 10 categories here that we run through here. And so, yeah, there's there's that beautiful music. He's starting to fade it up. I love it. So we're going to start with a little bit more of the dubious honors, and then it's going to get more serious as we go along here. So we're going to start off with the most disappointing fight, I believe. Yes, the most disappointing fight of the year. And so here we go, rolling this along. So we had a few different options here. It should start with Usman versus Masvidal. So yeah, this one, super hyped. Conor McGregor released that it was like the second most bought pay-per-view this year. A lot of people are unhappy with that. Adesanya versus Romero for obvious reasons. I was there for that one. First minute was just Romero standing in the middle of the cage doing nothing. Adesanya versus Costa, not for Adesanya's sake, more for Costa's sake. More people expected him to, you know, kind of bring the fight to him, and unfortunately that didn't happen. And then, of course, Verdum versus Gustafson, which, you know, we hope to see Gustafson come back stronger than ever. So who is the winner with 72% of the vote? This wasn't even close, people. Adesanya versus Romero wins the fans' choices. So this was a Twitter poll that we did. It started on Discord. It was narrowed down by our team on Discord. And then we brought it to you guys for the top four options. And it was a landslide. Out of 1,200 votes, that's what people overwhelmingly picked. So, PT, do you agree? Was that your most disappointing I gotta, fight? I got to agree with that one. I don't think um, anyone expected that kind of fight um you know and i don't really know why we didn't expect it to be honest because 
Yol has done that many times, but it is one of the most bizarre images you'll ever see. Yol mm. just standing in front of Israel Adesanya and Israel kind of going, well, what the hell am I meant to do with this? I love the inclusion of Werdum uh, v Gust Gustafsson because Gustafsson is the European icon. He was the guy before Conor McGregor who was sparking the fuse over here. And I was devastated by what happened that night. And it allowed Verdum to go off into the future, get a big deal off PFL. And um, yeah, I was very dejected after that one, I must say. But I think the fans nailed it on this one. Got to be Romero v Adesanya for me. Yeah, I think I have to agree here as well. I mean, I was there for that fight. And I remember watching the post-fight presser. Even the post-fight presser was disappointing. <laughs> you know, it was just like <laughs> nothing about this fight was what we wanted it to be. Luckily, Yoana versus Wei Li was on the same night. So it was like, okay, this isn't a total loss. <laughs> it turned out to be okay. But yeah, that fight was just bad all around. And I agree with the pick here as well. So do you, do you think that it made it any any worse that like an amazing fight like Zhang and Yin Jacek took place before it or was it just flat out a terrible terrible fight Ooh, that's a good thing to bring up contrast can sometimes just make you look so bad you just watch the best fight uh my you know we'll see we'll see it's one of my contenders and we'll get to it in a bit one of my contenders for the best fight of the year and then you just go to that yeah, how do you follow that? But no, I still think it was that bad. <laughs> that being said, I still think it was just that bad. Was um, Gaslam v Adesanya was on the co-main event of Poirier Holloway or something like that as well. And even though Poirier Holloway was so good, it just seemed really Incredible. bad. After, well, not, not really bad, but it just didn't seem as good after Gaslam and Adesanya got down. Am I, am I thinking of the right event there? You are thinking of the right event. That was in Atlanta. Um, I remember actually thinking that was one of my favorite fights of the year and enough people weren't talking about it. I feel like Poirier versus Holloway did get overshadowed in a lot of ways. So I think it's a good point to bring up. That was probably my number two fight of the year. I literally think number one and two of 2019 last year literally were those two fights. So fair yeah, point. It was amazing. It was amazing. Do we have any um, good takes from the comments here, Lon? Did you catch anything? I was a little bit more into the conversation. Uh, the but... few that I saw when it was going live, most agreed, it seemed. <laughs> Russell just getting a lot of, hey, what's up, everybody doing? Good to see everybody after the break we had. By the way, you guys like the tie? It's officially <laughs> branded. Look at that. Officially branded. The tape, don't worry about that. That's part of it. That's part of it. This is how it was embroidered. This is embroidered, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it seems like most people agree on the first one. Not yeah. so controversial on this one. So we'll try to, you know, see what is going on here uh, with the chat and see how you guys are responding to this. Again, this comes from Twitter. This is a fan choice thing. These aren't our choices, and that's why we're offering our opinions after it. But yeah, great stuff. Um, are we ready to move on to number nine then? I think we Let's are. Let's do it. Let's tee it up. All right, so this one is a bit of a rough one here. This is the fighter that had the worst year. And I already know I've got some different takes on this one. So, um, <laughs> it's moving all over the place. You got to move it down a little bit. So, no, yeah, move it down. You can see the lip where it says live chat. Just move it down. Yeah, Marlon Marais, so obvious reasons for him. He went from in title contention in 2019 to having a terrible year. Tony Ferguson, obvious reasons there. Two losses after a 12-fight win streak. Just unreal. Then Joseph Benavidez, yeah, he had those two just, oh, man, hard-to-watch fights with Figgy. 
And then Junior Dos Santos, who was just coming off a loss himself. Um, yeah, that was a mean photo to choose. <laughs> so who wins this one? Who actually gets it? And unfortunately, Tony Ferguson, I think uh, you're just about everybody's favorite fighter on the roster. Everyone likes to make those jokes about he's the type of guy, all these kind of things. But unfortunately, it just didn't seem to go his way. So what is everyone saying? People are saying Tyron Woodley. That's a great one. Um Somebody put Kevin Holland. No, yeah. That's a troll. <laughs> Angie Overkill. I think that's a fair one. I think she had some yeah. really close decisions. That's a really good one. Um, JDS and Woodley. So Woodley is a really good one. Again, this is coming from Twitter. These are not our opinions here. Clearly Benavides for JTVO. Uh, so that's a good one. But yeah, good to see some different takes here from what we got on Twitter. What are your thoughts on this overall, PC? Did you agree? I do not agree. All of these people that are named here had the opportunity to go out and earn money, which is their profession. Mm. The person who didn't get to earn any money this year, who was meant to have the biggest year of his life, ben his Askren. name is Leon Edwards. Oh. His name is Leon Edwards, Jay. Okay? <laughs> That's what his name is. And he doesn't get enough respect. And it's time we put some respect on Leon Edwards' name. And this year, he was meant to have a star-making performance in London against Tyron Woodley and go on and fight for that title. He couldn't because of COVID. It stripped the event away. And then he starts getting offered fights on two weeks' notice. This is a sport. we got to take it seriously. you got to have a full camp to fight for a title if you're going to take these things seriously. What happened to Jorge Masvidal? Went in, got paid, didn't win the belt. All Leon Edwards cares about is the belt. Then he gets this fight with Shemoyev, pulled from the rankings unless he takes it. He takes the fight. Then he gets COVID. He can't fight that. They move to January. And now Shemoyev has, has COVID. So, I mean... How are you going to tell me Leon Edwards hasn't had the worst 2020? That guy should have had everything happen for him this year. The stars should have aligned. He should have at least got the opportunity to fight for that title. And no one's going to tell me that Tyron Woodley would have beat him if that London event went ahead. I'm not having that. That's who I think is the unluckiest fighter. The worst fight, the, the worst year for anyone, I think, has to go to Leon Edwards. And I really hope he bounces back in 2021 because it's been horrific for him this year. I think you, you bring up a really good point here, too, to kind of add to what you're saying. A lot of people in the comments are shitting on Edwards, too. So not only... Oh, they always do. They always do. Yeah, and so they, they th- there even seemed to be more di- uh, fan disapproval than there was in 2019 for him. He literally got booed, you know, in his own arena, you know, in England fighting Gunnar Nelson. And there even seems to be more disapproval from fans this year. So it's like, yikes, let's just layer it on to him real quick. I think that's a good take. I think Costa had, a man, whatever you want to say, you know, about the antics at the end, it's a bad look for Costa. Uh, Costa just didn't come into that one. I think that's a really good one. Um, Trying to see if there are any alternate takes that I didn't seem to catch, but it seems like we got most of them. Pretty tough. Pretty tough. What about you, Lawton? Anything standing out for you? A couple of agreeances, actually. Oh. Because PT made some... That was, that was a pretty good rant, by the way, PT. I enjoyed Thank that you. thoroughly. We're gonna get I still say it's Ben Askren. I still say it's Ben Askren. It's hanging over from 2019. It's still it's still Ben Askren. Imagine if Jake Paul KOs him. That'll be a rough 2021, too. Oh, oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, man. I'm not ready to watch that. I'm not ready to watch that. <laughs> oh, man. What were you going to say, Lawton? No, that was it. When when Pizzi made that rant, there's quite a few agreances, and then ooh, people brought up Hannah Cyphers, which 
Yeah. So if you want to talk about making money, you're lower on the scale, and she's booked for another fight. Um, I can't remember who she's up against next. But, yeah, she had a really rough 2020 as well. So good takes from everybody here. I would say, you know, getting around to it, do I agree or not? I think I have to say Benavidez myself. Um, JT Bo is one of the people in the comments who seems to agree with that one. I just think those losses were so devastating. And it, the, the thing about Joseph Benavidez that's particularly harsh on him is he's lost to two different champ or three different champions two times apiece. So who did he have? Cruz, once in WC, once in UFC, I believe. Then he had, um, oh man, obviously there's the Benavidez losing to Figgy. And who's the other one that Demetrius I'm thinking Johnson. about? Demetrius Johnson. Yeah, so he just, man, it pretty much touched them out of the title contention forever. Like, I, I just don't see it ever happening again. So I have to go with Benavidez myself personally. Although he did make it to title contention, you know, so that's a win. He did do something right this year, but it didn't go well when he stepped out of the cage. So he's kind of being put into that, um, like Tony Ferguson to Charles Oliveira or Junior Dos Santos to Cyril Gan now, because he's now fighting Askar Askarov, and of course the UFC want to you know bleed another contender into that title uh, title mix of flyweight, and unfortunately that's where he's going to be put now. A lot of the time is basically the gatekeeper for that title conversation, and it's very tough. Because he's been there so often and these guys he's facing are so hungry. Mm. It's going to be a very rough one for Joey B. But, I mean, he's done it for years. But, obviously, as the clock keeps ticking, it gets harder and harder. And, look, he's a lovely guy. I, I think yeah. all MMA fans wanted to see something good happen for him. But that's the way the cookie crumbles. It's the hurt business. Absolutely. The most brutal sport out there, dude. It's not even yeah, fair. Absolutely. Um, hashtag bring back Dustin Ortiz, one of my Tennessee boys. <laughs> So there we go. It lives in Nashville, very close to here. Whoop, um, whoop. All right, so let's move it on to number eight. So we'll, uh, us being a top 10 channel, of course, we went for 10 entries here. So <laughs> we're going to go next for robbery of the year. So this one would be pretty interesting. Um, I think it was actually still in pickings this year, if I'm being totally honest with you here. So it'd be interesting to get the chat's takes here. But so for number one, we got Jones versus Reyes. I think that's a huge one. Um, yeah, tons of uproar over this one. I personally scored it for Reyes. Volkanovski versus Max. I personally scored that one for Max. So that was a really big one. And then moving it on to Felder versus Hooker. I don't agree with that one at all. I'll just say that out loud as we're going through it. I, I don't think that was a robbery. Um, and then Yudong versus Vera, which I was surprised to see on here as well. But again, these are fan choices. So let's see. Who won out on this one? Who had the biggest robbery of the year? And it was Volkanovski versus Max, which I was really surprised to see just because I feel like John Jones is way less popular. Um, obviously, <laughs> he's he's popular in terms of selling and, and getting, you know, pay-per-view buys, but he's not a popular fighter in terms of like, like people don't like him. You know, I thought for sure that would have been number one. I was shocked. Uh, what was actually the breakdown of that one? Um, that was 51.6% of the vote out of nearly 1,500 votes. 51.6, they voted on Twitter for Volkanovsky versus Max being the biggest robbery. Jones versus Reyes got 32.6, and then it was way far down the line. Like I said, it was kind of slim pickings this year. Hooker versus Felder was only 8.2%. Yudong versus Vera was 7.5%. So what are your thoughts on this one? Do you agree? Was Volk versus Max 2 the biggest robbery of the year? 
I doubt it. I, I very much doubt it. But I mean, it's look, I'm the same as you on this, Jay. I, I thought Max won the fight. Um, but the word robbery, as soon as someone hits me with that word, I just think, mate, you don't have a clue what a ro- robbery is. Robberies mm-hmm. are few and far between. If you look back on those those fights, they're incredibly close. There's a lot of conversation. Some people have it one way. Some people have it the other. That's a close fight. It doesn't mean because you put money on the guy that lost that it's a robbery. <laughs> it doesn't mean because you like Max Holloway more, it's a robbery. Robbery is it literally screams casual. When someone starts talking about robbery after a close fight, it's a bad take. I don't think any of these fights are robberies. Do I think Max deserved to win? I do. Did I think he was uh, completely devastated by that result? Even when I see him talking about it now, it seems like he even knows it's a close fight. All of these fights are exceptionally close. I thought Reyes won against Jones as well. But as soon as uh, Jones' hand was raised, I was like, well, look, that's what happens. You're leaving it to judges. Judges are humans. You know what I mean? You're going to pick one way or you're going to pick the other. When it's that razor close, like that third round between Holloway and Volkanovski is so close. It's the fact that it comes after two knockdowns in the the first and second for Holloway that makes you think the momentum's still in his favor. All incredibly close fights. No robberies in that that bunch as far as I'm concerned. Um, Very close fights. What was the closest fight of the year? That's what I'd call that section. And yes, I'd say Holloway v. Volkanovski. Yeah, I I, like... You know, I remember talking to people right after, and there were quite a few that thought Jones actually did win. It was a very contentious decision is the way I would put mm-hmm. it. The most contentious decision, but oh, people like do see it as robbery. But So for, for Jones, I did think he lost, but I do think that the third round was a bit of a swing round when you go back to that mm-hmm. one. Fourth and fifth, Jones did clearly win. I, when I think of robberies, I think of Bisbing versus Hamill. That's one of the biggest robberies I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, I thought literally Hamill won all three rounds handedly and somehow Bisbing walks away with a decision. I think of Kevin Randleman versus Boss Rutten. Yeah. There's just no way he would win that, especially in today's judging criteria. I think of really landslides and I think of boxing. I think of Canelo versus Triple yeah. G where uh who, what was your name? Fight, yeah. Uh I forget the name, uh, Adelaide Bird. She scored it like Yeah. Uh, 2018 it was or not 2018 what am I thinking of I'm forgetting judging on uh, boxing <laughs> boxing judging I'm a casual boxing fan I'll just say that out loud but it was just ridiculous in the first fight in particular we've seen robberies before but I don't see that necessarily being in there so I agree with you I do think that if I were to pick one though if I had to pick one it definitely would have been Dominic Reyes over John Jones just because I don't know they're both really close fights they're all really close fights but that one just got me a little bit more. I was on the contentious end of it, to put it back in that phrasing. I feel I like, like that, that was word. contended a little bit more heavily. Yeah. <laughs> People so. need to start saying that instead of robbery. That was contentious instead of that was robbery. <laughs> <laughs> You're not going to get as many likes on Twitter, though, and that's that's where we go for robbery. Let's be honest. There you um, go. Well, I think another one I thought of, just as you mentioned them, and I completely agree with the ones you said were robberies there. I believe there was a Ross Pearson, Diego Sanchez back in the day or something like that, that um, yes. that went in Diego's yeah. favor. There was I also Martin was Campman as well. Martin Campman, that was a big robbery. I mean, Diego Sanchez True. just looked fucked up after that fight. Like, unbelievable that he ended up winning. Um, and imagine, imagine if he had that coach in his corner all those years ago, he would have been a 17-time world champion. It's It's... It's sad when you think about what could have been. Joshua Fabia could have saved the That's day. The How did oh. I forget? One of the greats. One of, one of the best ever. 
uh, right up there with Mike Perry's girlfriends. Well, so then <laughs> let's uh, let's get some takes from the um, kind of the fan comments here. Cruz versus Cejudo. Dom was getting up. Well, that wasn't a decision. JTVo has the numbers on the Canelo fight. Thank you for correcting me. 118 to 110. Yeah, so that was ridiculous. Adelaide. At least I got the judge's name right there. Adelaide Bird. Yeah, nailed it. Nailed it. GSP versus Hendricks. Ooh, I do see that as a robbery. I honestly do. Literally no one scored that fight for GSP back in the day. I know there's kind of like the... Ca- the I don't want to say casual fans. The newer fans who didn't watch that fight live. Everybody was screaming robbery back in the day. Including... Dana White, who just went off on GSP. Um, did you see any interesting takes there in the chat, Lon? So GSP versus Hendricks. Oh, yeah, yeah. So going back a go, few years. Oh, did we already hit that one? Sorry. Uh, but do you not think that Lawler. like Dana's, Dana's comments were, were kind of fueled by the fact that like GSP was saying he was going to retire after that and Dana was just really pissed? Can you remember when he came to the too. press conference? He's like, he's like, hey, George said he was going to he was going to retire. How can you retire after that? You didn't yeah. even win the fight. <laughs> he owes it to the fans. He owes it to his company. He's like, yeah. And then Hendricks really just doesn't. disappeared off the face of the earth, really, after that, didn't he? Well, he won the title after that, but he. Um, a lot of people say it's USADA-based because if you go back into that one, you know, just a quick diversion here, what GSP wanted was WADA-level testing. That was before USADA was around. Hendricks declined it. And, of course, when USADA came around, that was also when they did the IV ban. I I tend to incline to think that maybe there could have been foul play. I don't like to accuse fighters of anything like that. But I tend to think as a wrestler who cut down probably from 210 or something ridiculous like that, you know, Stephen Wonderboy Thompson was telling me that that's what Kiesa cuts down to 170 from. He used to be a lightweight. What was Hendricks wow. coming down from? The IV ban, I, I tend to think, affected him more. But anyhow, that's a, a total uh, diversion there. Somebody did mention, oh, Divine L actually gives a super chat. I was about to read your regular one. Um, y'all need to mention Angela. So I think the big one that I go with is the Claudia Gadella fight. I did score yeah. that. But again, I say it's a close fight. You know, I don't think there were any blatant robberies that really stick out to me this year. I think there were, <laughs> we'll go with the contentious word again, contentious decisions. I just don't know if I can really just say, yeah, that person got robbed. I don't know if I can But I think that. they're right. I think they're right that Angela deserves to be on the list. Like, I, I yeah. think, you know, that was one, I can remember after the fact that a lot of people are pissed about. So, you know, if we're having the section, I think Angela does deserve a nod, definitely. Yeah, that's a great, great shout from the chat there. So, all right, let's move it on. So we just got through robbery. So obviously that was a tough one, uh, contentious being the word there. Let's move it on to number seven. We're looking for the performance of the year, the most dominant performance of the year. Who wins this one? Let's see what we got here. So moving it on to the first possible, um, we got Gaethje versus uh, Habib, or Habib versus Gaethje, if I can read correctly. Uh, very, very tough loss there. Figueredo versus Benavidez. You can choose either one of them, but you'd have to go with the second one. <laughs> um, and then we got Adesanya versus Costa. We've already talked about that one a little bit. Jeez, uh, not even close. And then we go with our last one here. Shemaya versus Mearshart. I mean, one punch, lights out, you know? It doesn't have to be title fight, so I think that's a good one to throw in here. So what was the decision from our Twitter poll? What did we get? Performance of the year, Israel Adesanya versus Costa. And I think that's a 
that that's a pretty solid one. What do you think about this one, PT? Yeah, I agree. I thought it was an absolute masterclass. I have to say that I also think Habib v. Gaethje was a masterclass, but Habib nearly had to put himself in harm's way throughout the mm. first round to allow his tactic to prevail. So I know some people scored that fight for scored that round, the first round for Gaethje, but I felt as though Gaethje was playing into Habib's tactics, which which inevitably led to him being submitted because he stayed on him, didn't give mm. him a second to breathe, suffocated him, suffocated him, and then eventually tired him out and, and just submitted him in that tremendous fashion that he did. Whereas Adesanya's is far more dominant. It's very clean. Um, yeah, I love that performance. I thought it really underlined him as the, the front runner for the sport at the moment. And without that, I don't think people see him as this guy who's wiped out the division and now goes on to fight uh, a 205 against Blahovic. So I, I think I agree with the people. Well done, people. Power to the people. Yeah, I think that's a great take on it as well. When I think of it, uh, Costa, did he even land a punch? If you go back and you watch the replays of Gaethje throwing bombs at Habib, he actually landed a couple of those. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> you start to realize, like, man, Habib has a big head. <laughs> Maybe that's what saved him. <laughs> I don't know, but he took some, like, bombs on the chin especially if you watch back the slow-mo replays you're like how is he not even backing up like it's unreal so at least Gaethje did have a chance to throw something at him uh we had absolutely nothing from Costa absolutely nothing and yes Shimaev is more dominant in the fact that he didn't even give GM3 a chance to land anything but what I think is more demonstrative of these performances that we're talking about in these title fights is they didn't just happen real quick. It's kind of like the Connor versus Aldo one where like, well, what would have happened if Connor had to take a few more punches? What would have happened if that got into the third round? And of course, these mm -hmm. didn't make it quite that far. They only got to the second round for the, you know, the Habib performance or the Izzy performance. But you did get to see a more wide skill set over the course of a couple rounds. And I think that for me is what makes it more dominant because you got to see more of those skills. So, yeah. yeah any um, any takes from Shemaya versus McKee was the one for me, 40 strikes to zero. I think that's a really good take, JT, though. Um, I do have to say, though, the, the mitigating factor here uh, to sound like uh, the golden snitch, um, uh, Jeff Nowitzki, <laughs> the mitigating factor here, if I were to use that phrasing, would have to be the level of competition. It's yeah. not just that you're... I mean, it's 170 who sometimes goes up to 185 fighting Reese McKee, who's a 155er. So I, I would see that as being different. But I mean, yeah, completely dominant by all means. But the level of competition does change it for me, absolutely. Covington versus Woodley is a great shout from Pluto. I think that's a fantastic one. We also got to say Usman versus Masvidal on that note. I think that's really good. Ooh, Ortega Zombie. That's a really good one, Sebastian816. Appreciate that one. Uh, Jason, you're related to Joe Rogan, right? Come on. <laughs> Dude, I swear before I started this channel, no one had ever said that to me. Um, Justin versus Tony should have been on the list. Well... I disagree just because Tony actually knocked down Justin at one point. You were like, dude, if that would have gone on 10 more seconds, Tony realistically could have been, you know, raising that belt up again for a second time with an interim belt. So uh, any thoughts um, from your end uh, of this line? Anything that on you the, saw? Any interesting takes? Or in the chat? Sorry, I'm bouncing around. Um, Yeah. 
You can say no. It's fine. Yeah, I'm going to go this one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm yeah, bouncing around. I just you're told multitasking the, quite a bit. I'm I, typing the chat right now. I'm gonna start putting my answers in the chat, starting on the next one because yeah, <laughs> finally caught up on some stuff. <laughs> cool. Um, see, what did VRO say? Oh, he was saying that there's a bit of lag. So yeah, there's always gonna be a bit of that. I mean, you guys are probably 20 to 30 seconds behind us, but that's just the way YouTube goes. So you might see your comment answered a little bit later than you thought. Um, all right, so let's move it on. We've got number six. So we're starting to get into some of the better ones here. Uh, not quite that serious yet, but we've got the submission of the year. Now, this is a fun one for sure. All right, so who do we have going into this one? First up, you knew this one was coming, Jimmy Flick. <laughs> a lot of people aren't thinking about that one. Great triangle, flying triangle there. Davison Figueredo. Of course, we're looking at the second Joseph Benavidez fight because he knocked him out in the first one. I mean, God, what a strangling that was. Habib Nurmagomedov over Justin Gaethje. Mounted triangle. Uh, incredible stuff. And then we go with our last one, which is Davison Figueredo again against Alex Perez. Just going for that guillotine off a takedown attempt. So really great stuff here. Who do we have here? I don't think this one's going to be a surprise. Habib Nurmagomedov beating Justin Gaethje. I mean, we, we talk about dominance. I mean, it was literally a contender for that. It makes all the sense in the world. What do you think, PT? I completely agree. I think it was one of the most magnificent things I've ever seen um, from Habib throughout his career. To take the submission from top position and be that confident as a wrestler to completely sacrifice top position to get that triangle, start from the mount, go to your back, uh, hook under the leg it's perfect technique anyone who's trained jiu-jitsu will know that is literally the perfect triangle the way he put it in and then it adds to the mystique afterwards when you hear Daniel Cormier talking about how the triangle armbar was his father's favorite move how you saw Habib um, kind of specifically looking for that armbar triangle sequence in the opening round and then to go back to it I, I just think it's absolutely breathtaking from one of the greatest mixed martial artists of all time. Um, if he never fights again, that is a beautiful way to go out. It is it is beautiful martial arts, absolutely picture-perfect technique, and just complete confidence against a guy who was meant to be the guy that he couldn't take down. He took him down and absolutely devastated him on the ground. Amazing. Yeah, uh, phenomenal performance. I wholeheartedly agree myself. That was 55.5% of the Twitter votes here. So again, these are the fan choices for anybody tuning in. That's how we did our polling here. I think it's great. Jay Tivo, I am right here with you. I was just about to mention this. He says, criminal miss, AJ McKee versus Darion Caldwell. And, you know, when you talk about level of competition, I don't think Bellator gets enough credit because Darion Caldwell is a former champion. Of course, he lost to Horiguchi, um, both in Ryzen and in Bellator. So, you know, Let's hope we get to see that, but we're in the midst of a tournament here, so we're going to see some things happen here soon. But I do have to say that AJ McKee's, I mean, it was, yeah. we were talking about this beforehand. What was that submission? Somebody in the chat might actually know what this is, but I still feel like there's not been a definitive answer. It's some kind of, you know, you were saying it was maybe some sort of neck crank. I think it's a shoulder, shoulder crank or something like that, but I've never seen anything like it. And I think it really underlines, um, you know how prosperous AJ is to do that against Caldwell who's such a fantastic wrestler I can remember seeing him going for it in the fight and going what in the fuck is this guy doing you know what I mean I was like what in the name of Jesus is this and you're like then when you see Caldwell a grappler at that level tapping out to you you're like holy shit man AJ McKee 
believe it or not, he is even better than we thought he was. And we already thought he was one of the best fighters Dude. on the planet. So, um, look, I, I am so pumped. I know he has to fight Emmanuel Sanchez, but if it comes down to uh, Pitbull v AJ, Bellator onto such a winner there, man. I, I know yeah. there's things up to play out, but Jesus Christ. I think people would have picked that fight if they could have ended up on uh, either side of the bracket. That that would have been the final in most people's minds. And um, I can't wait for it. I really hope 2021 gives us that one because it's going to be magic. Yeah, I fully agree with you. I think another kind of dark horse here that we could have listed, and it's not necessarily the most spectacular submission, but doing it Rainier de Ritter beating Anlin Singh in one championship. Yeah. Talk about their golden goose, two-weight world champion there, had been champion for quite a while. I mean, he just beat Brand or Brandon Vera. Uh, wait, no, it is Brandon Vera. Dude, yeah. I was thinking Cheeto Vera for a second. I was thinking I said Cheeto Vera. I was trying not to say Cheeto Vera so bad. Brandon Vera, of course, used to be a UFC heavyweight. Uh, he came down um, after being the one championship heavyweight champion, came down to fight Anlin Singh and just got dominated. And then Anlin Singh gets dominated by Rainier de Ritter and gets rear naked choke. So it's not like a spectacular submission, but the level of competition, I do think it gets an honorable mention because Jesus Christ, did no one see that coming. Unknown guy. I, I thought the uh, another one that was really impressive, Jay, was Hermanson submitting Gaslam with the heel hook. Ooh. Like again, I, I I mean, that was crazy. So quick in the round two to catch a weird submission like that on Gaslam again. He was looked really really solid on the ground. I thought that was that was tremendous to be honest. Ooh, um, Arian Lipsky not getting a mention is criminal. That's a great point. She had the knee bar. Yeah, that was fantastic. Chase Hooper. Yeah, people uh, love Chase Hooper. Um, he, people, I mean, Joe Rogan obviously got a lot of flack for his commentary in his last fight for that very reason. Um, Tito tapping to jail. There we go. So if we want to go back to years past, we can go with the conspiracies. Then we got to go with, we know that Steve Over tapped. In. We know it. We know it. But yeah, um, let me see if there were any interesting takes that I missed. Mackenzie Dern's kind of Cypher's knee bar. So there you go. Uh, so we actually had two knee bars this year. I didn't even realize that. Was that the? Was that it? Um, Thug Nasty Twister. That was 2019. Um, Phil Stamborski. So, good shout. But 2019. That was not 2020. So a terrible um, show is what he means. A terrible, terrible <laughs> show. If it's not the year in question. I, I tried. I tried. Tried to work with you. Um, love listening again, to lads. Pete say Don't fight. Don't do it again. Don't do it again. Fighting. Yeah, yeah. I like fighting, do you? Fight. Yeah, yeah I, I don't know. I don't. I don't hear it. I don't hear what they're they're going for there. Usman's toe submission game is weak. All right, now we're going off into the random things. Um, anything that you wanted to mention here, Lon? No, I'm good. I put my answer in the chat cool. earlier, but no, I think we're good. I think we're moving on. Beautiful stuff. All right, so then let's move it on to number five. We've got a big one here, folks. KO of the year. <laughs> yeah, just move that all around. Here we Peekaboo. Oh, oh my God. Yeah, you got it. You got it. All right. So the first one, Francis Ngannou over Rosenstruck. No doubt about it. Like, might not have been perfect technique, but boy, did it knock him out. Joaquin Buckley, everyone is famous, you know, viral. Everyone knows what this one's all about, Joaquin Buckley. And then we got Cody Garbrandt. This was the Asunsound one at the last second of the rounds. Just absolutely incredible. And then, oh my God, Kevin Holland's, uh, what an insane KO. He, he made Nico Price's finish of Randy Brown look like, oh no, I'm one-upping you, I'm one-upping you. So here we go. 
no surprise here. I think most people are on the same page here. Joaquin Buckley versus Impa Kasanganai. What do you think about this one, PT? Completely agree. Um, it's one of those moments that completely transcends the MMA bubble. Uh, like we saw Kanye West using this image of this crazy spinning back kick to launch one of the songs. <laughs> Absolutely incredible, I think. But I do think that that is something that, that is huge, you know, when it breaks through to the broader cultural mainstream. And this is what that kid did. Um, and against Impa Kasagna as well, who was looked absolutely incredible in his debut. I had him marked as his debut as a future contender in the division. I looked at the records uh, mm. before the fight, and I was like, well, I think Impa's going to win this, and then bang. Um, how do I know this is the best KO of the year? Because I watched it more than any knockout I've ever watched in my life. Wow. Including Kevin Holland's, um, like, which I think is outrageous. I think Kevin Holland is, Kevin Holland is so unlucky that this uh, KO happened the same year because I've never seen force generated from that situation like Holland did. But Unreal. It's, it's got to be Joaquin Buckley. It's got to be. He's outrageous. That was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. And you can even see it from Dan Hardy and Paul Felder's reactions. Like, it's it's otherworldly. It's something you'd, you'd imagine CGI had to be involved in to make it happen. <laughs> so I loved it. I loved it. And um, I'll watch it a million times more. Yeah, we're living in a simulation, people. That's what we were watching at the time as well. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. I couldn't agree more. I think that this is the right take. I think the fans got it right here. And boy, did they overwhelmingly vote on this one. It was 71.4% in wow. favor of this. The Far Cry second was Garbrandt versus the Sun Sout, 14.6. Uh, I know a lot of people are going to be thinking of Sean O'Malley's knockout uh, on the same night. And Ghana versus Rosenstruck only got 6.8%. I think the thing to critique there was it's incredible power, but I don't think anybody's just like, what a magnificent display of technique. And I'm saying this as an armchair guy, but I'm just parroting what, you know, actual fighters have said. I mean, he just basically said, you know what? I've got a good enough chin and enough power. I'm just going to go like this until one of these lands, like, let's not even put the whole hip into it. Let's just move the arms. Like, he literally just kept going after it, landed a big left hand and knocked out Rosenstruck, who has enough knockout power for it. It, it could have turned into a Derek Lewis fight. He has enough power for it to have been that way, but uh, he just didn't care. So it's a great knockout, but it's not necessarily like one of the most impressive ones. I kind of disagree with you. I watched Holland versus Souza probably. I'm not even joking you. Um, just because, you know, these things are proliferated on Twitter so well that I literally yeah, yeah. watched it probably a hundred times. A hundred times, <laughs> that knockout sequence. It's just, I even tweeted about it. It gets better every single time you see it because you're just like, what? What is this? What am I watching right now? This is crazy. But I think they made the right choice just for virality. Everything that Buckley did there was just insane. Uh, yeah, that was the biggest one. Let's see what the takes were here. Ooh, Jan was good too. I mean, you could say Jan for a couple of reasons, but um, especially the Corey Anderson knockout, I think was just crazy. I mean, he just landed that shot on him. It seemed like the fight was, yes, it was going in Jan's favor because it wasn't going to the ground, but then he just landed. I believe it was a big left hook. And you're just like, oh, the fight's over. <laughs> I didn't yeah. see this going this way at all. It's a great equalizer, isn't it? His left hand, Blachowicz. Like, it's it's an unbelievable Ooh. asset he has that... Like, look, he did the... Luke Rockhold as well absolutely devastated him with a left hand. Um, I think that's the one big thing that uh, Adesanya has to be very wary of when they fight. I mean, he can knock out anyone with that left hand, with that po legendary Polish power, as he likes to say. Polish so, power. So, uh, yeah. Lo love it. Love it. Love uh, Blachowicz's left hook. Beautiful to watch. 
Um, Jay Tivo saying Aaron Pico. Ooh, Yiri yeah. was good. Jacob Birdsong. I love the Yiri knockout. Um, they just posted that, uh, and I, I obliged when they posted on the YouTube channel for the UFC of him knocking out Vulcan Uzdemir after getting rocked. Actually, when I first watched it, I thought he only got rocked once in the first round, but Yiri got rocked twice in that first round when you rewatch it. And then he comes back and figures out his style and just styles on him. Absolutely knocks him out. I believe it was a... It was kind of like a in between between like a, a right straight and a, a a hook is what it was, but very very interesting stuff. It was so fascinating to watch, and he just put him out. What a statement to make coming into the UFC as a rising champion! Like, I cannot yeah. wait to see him fight Reyes, which is supposed to be happening here soon. So, I want to see I want to see Johnny Walker and Yuri Brohaska, the meeting of the madmen. That's what I want Ooh. more than anything in the world. Two lunatics at light heavyweight just throwing limbs all around the place. See what happens. Throw it in. Put it in the blender. That's Count my dream right there. Count me in. Um, so this is another one that I know is near and dear to you. Jay Tivo's throwing out some gems to us here. Magomed Kalidov. His finish. The oh, switch yes. kick. Oh, um, yes. Yeah, that was a big one. That was a big one. Um, and as well, after losing to Scott, ask him to do that. Like, I mean, to do that in the rematch when everyone's like, well, Kalidov's getting older. He surely can't still last the top of this division. And then bang, he's the champion again. Can we get Saldic and Kaladif, Kaladov next year? Please, KSW. Yes, RoboCop. RoboCop, let's do it. <clears throat> um, let's see, Atman P says, uh, Fiziev, if I go by the Joe Rogan pronunciation, Fiziev versus Moicano. That was a great one. Absolutely outstanding. Yeah. Holland KO of Buckley. That's a fun one. I mean, that happened too. We got Chaos Williams, both of his finishes this year. Even um, Shamoyev on uh, Mershart was beautiful. You know, like, I mean, in, in terms of just the knockout, I know we, we spoke God. about it in terms of performance. That one shot is is terrifying. Unreal, dude. And he was doing that in Brave, you know. People hadn't necessarily seen that. And uh, luckily, oh, yeah, I, I had, had some people that turned me on to it. <laughs> you had, oh, yeah. Hey! Let's I get had. him a giant cookie. Um, he was on San my Hagen January prospects list. Thank you very much. I know Ooh. more than everyone. Just remember that. Thank you. By the way, shout out to that. Working on a prospects list at the moment. So that will be coming out on the channel. Super stoked about it. But anyhow, I think we can move it on. You guys got some really good shout outs here. Ooh, Magomed uh, Ankalaev. Oh my God. Thank you for putting that one out there. Nareg Durakjian. I don't know how to pronounce that. But yeah, that finish. Grudge match. Ayn Kudalaba. Oh my God. Incredible. So let's move it on. So we've got the number four fight of the year. We're gonna, okay. I almost thought you were gonna change the music. Now, no, we changed it on the next one. I was, I was gonna go with it if we were. It's gonna get more tense here in a minute. But so we're gonna go with <laughs> fight of the year. There are a lot of good potentials for this. So Figgy versus Moreno definitely has to be in there. We got Wei Li versus Joanna Jan Jacek. Uh, we talked about that one a little bit earlier. Uh, Hooker versus Poirier. Incredible, incredible fight. I mean, must see TV for both these guys anytime they compete. And then Burgos versus Emmett, which was a great one. And that's a great shout from uh, the the Twitch and the Discord uh, for voting up that one. And so who wins it? Zhang Weili versus Joanna Janjacek. Great choice. What do you think, PT? Absolutely agree. Um, one of the craziest fights I've ever seen in my life. I was at a wedding and I was shit face drunk and that came on and I was struggling to stay awake. Mm. And next of all, I'm screaming at my laptop like a lunatic. 
everybody is going wild around me watching it um absolutely incredible um and just there's so many things to like about the fight like the fact Joanna kept coming at her like I, I personally scored the fight for Joanna, but that could be European bias um unbelievable <laughs> fight it has to happen again um I think it's one of the greatest fights of all times, just in terms of pure energy and excitement you get from watching it. The output is outrageous. Um, I love all the selections I made. Uh, one fight I really love from this year that uh, hasn't been talked uh, about enough is Piotr Jan v. Jose Aldo. Absolutely Ooh. magical fight. Um, but I think the fans did a great job. Zhang v. Junjacek for me was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree with this one. I've been kind of saying this all year, so if you've been in these yeah. live chats, you kind of knew that that was my favorite going in. But man, what an incredible fight. That was a bit of a special one for us. So some of your former colleagues, uh, you know, uh, Casey Lydon, Esther Lynn, we were in the media room. This is the first time that Tom and I had worked together at an event. And obviously COVID has wrecked all that. That was the last event that we went to this year, actually. What a year it's been. But um, that was just kind of surreal. It's like, oh, we're literally hanging out and talking with them about these fights. They don't know who the fuck we are, but this is incredible. And so there was kind of a special moment there to be sharing the room with them and the rest of the people that were in the media room for that night. But that one was so phenomenal, so incredible. Uh, I, yeah, it was hard to top. It was really hard to top. I do think, so to disagree with one of the points earlier putting Felder versus Hooker as a robbery. I actually think that was another contender for fight of the year yes. because that one Great. was also phenomenal. Like I said, Hooker is must-see TV every time he comes out. And despite it being kind of dominant, Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gaethje was incredible all throughout those fourth rounds. As long as it went, the crowd, if they were there, <laughs> would have just gone absolute batshit crazy. So let's see what people are saying here. Jones versus Reyes, I think that's actually a really good point, uh, really good point because people were mad about that, the decision, but that doesn't take away from what they actually did inside the cage. That was a masterwork there. Uh, Kaikar France versus Royville as well. I don't think it went long enough to be a fight of the year because what did that end in the second round? Um, it was a three rounds, you know, fight uh, as well. So it didn't have the potential to go five rounds, but for it being a three-rounder and going into the second round, Jesus, can Brandon Royville take a shot, man? Unbelievable. Kaikar cracked him with his best shot twice. Um, Vittori, um, yeah, I think that's a fair one to bring along here. Paul Felder versus Dos Anjos, that's a great one. Again, you know, him being involved in the hooker fight, he's must-see TV as well. Coming in on, Absolutely. what, five days notice? Jesus. Um, Tyson versus Jones. <laughs> Get me out of here. Get me out of here. I need to leave. <laughs> DC versus Miocic 3. The eye pokes made that kind of weird. And yes, that was present in the previous fights as well. But that one did kind of I didn't think that was good. I can remember mm. Dana came out and he was like, wow, you guys. Yeah. I mean, I got the, the whole world is, is trying to call me. And I was like, why? I mean, it wasn't that good, mate. Calm down. <laughs> that, that's how I feel about that one. Yeah, I was hoping for that one to be a little bit more to it. Wood versus Kenny is a great one. I like that yeah, a lot. Great fight. Till versus Cannoneer. That ended up being a really fun fight. Till even yeah. got rocked in the third round so after dominating the first two. So we started to see a comeback, but Till took over at the end of that round as well. Till Whittaker? Not Cannoneer, uh, right? Till Cannoneer. Till, well, so Till rocked uh, Whittaker at the beginning of the fight, but the Cannoneer fight, he was... Till was dominating the fight, and then they got to the third round, and Cannoneer actually rocked Till. So I think you could mention both of them, but I do think that was a great fight as well, Till versus Cannoneer. Um, let's see, Walker versus Span. 
Yeah, that was a crazy fight. For as long as it lasted, it did not last long. Uh, yeah, great stuff. Darren Till to... hasn't fought Jared Cannonier. Wait, what? Who am I thinking oh, no. of? Am I going crazy? Oh, it is Whitaker versus Cannonier. Dude, you even corrected <laughs> I like, me. I was like, am I losing my mind? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. No, no, happened? you're absolutely right. It is Whitaker versus Cannonier. So, my bad, guys. What the fuck is Jason talking? Yeah, you're right. Criticize it. It's worthy of being criticized. Jason's drunk. Uh, thanks a lot. There we go. <laughs> Nothing wrong I'm with just it. calling it Long how I see it. Him. I've done that twice on this chat, literally thinking of one person and saying another person's name. Even when you pointed it out, I was just such on a one-track mind. There we go. Anyhow. <laughs> I thought I was going crazy. You thought you had me thinking myself. I was like, what happened, Pete? How much did we drink over the last week? Dude. <laughs> It's not a normal week. It's not a normal week. Not as much as Tom Ransom. Not as much as Tom Ransom. I definitely didn't drink as much as him from what, from what, from what I've heard. That's what the rumor mill is saying. Dude, I'm jealous of his Christmas. I'm, uh, I'm from like a Christian fundamentalist background. So everyone's like, no alcohol. <laughs> Tom just got straight drunk the whole time. It's like, dude. <laughs> Uh, yeah, invite me over to your house next year. Let's go there. People are saying too much Please caveman stop. coffee. Thank you for the shout out to caveman coffee, 25% off. Let's go ahead and shout that out. But yes, so let's put that in there. Did Oliver get mentioned for dominant fight? I think you should put that in there. Absolutely. Uh, that's, good, that's, that's a, a great one. Um, his win over Tony Ferguson in particular almost broke the dude's arm. So great one. All right, so let's move it on. Let's just pretend none of that happens. All right, so... We got a little bit of a tone change here. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Well, Ooh. okay. You tried. All right. It's down. Oh, oh you took. Oh, it's supposed to be gone the whole time. Shit just got real. Yeah, shit just got real. So, this is some ominous music. We spent way too much time trying to figure this one out, but we found it, people. All right, so. We're coming down to the last three. This is why it gets so serious. This is why it gets crazy. I think these are going to be the most contentious ones, the ones that people feel the strongest about. So let's see what we got here. Number three, we're going with breakout fighter of the year, people. I'm trying my best to make it sound interesting. All right. No, I'm, so. I'm, I'm, I'm very I'm very tense now, I have to say, Jay. You're <laughs> freaking me out. So everyone sees there Kevin Holland is the first choice here. We got Chimaev. What a year for that guy. Incredible year for both of these gentlemen. Number three, Davison Figueredo. He wasn't a champion at the beginning of this year, and man, did he emerge as the guy at flyweight, um, along with Moreno, to be fair. So we only had three options here because I think it was just so overwhelmingly when they did the initial polling on Discord that we had to go with just three choices there. And so who wins this one? Kevin Holland wins breakout fighter of the year. I think he snubbed this one last minute because he fought five times this year. Um, and I'm not necessarily putting my opinion out here yet, but I do think that that's the reason why people went for him. Although Shimaev went from complete obscurity to worldwide fame. Uh, but you could say the same about Kevin Holland as well. I mean, you really could. So what do you think here, PT? Look, I think Kevin Holland had a great year. No doubt about it. Absolutely outrageous. Um, I think Davis and Figueredo had an incredible year. Um, and the ramifications of his year had such a broad effect on so many fighters that mm. I'm not I'm not trying to down these guys, but how can you not see that it is Hamzat Shimoyev that went from virtual unknown to everybody talking about this guy? 
everybody's talking about him. Dana's sitting beside him at the fight. It's like their best buddies. <laughs> He's throwing Leon Edwards under the, the Shemoyev hype train. Come on, man. It's It's got to be Shemoyev. He is one of the biggest stories of the year. Um, I, I have to go for him. When I think about this year, and again, maybe it's where I am in the world, but Hamzat Shemoyev, 2020 will be synonymous forever um, as the year we all learned about this absolute lunatic that is going to give us many, many good years in the sport. Not to say Kevin Holland won't, not to say Davison Figueredo won't, but we did know who these people were before 2020. We had no idea. Well, most of us. Most so of you, us. Jay, what do you think? Yeah, because you watched it all. Such a hardcore fan, man. Um, I Great, think man. It's it's a big thing over here, you know. You Brave guys, is... you know, only mainstream with the U.S. You know. I will say this: just a bit of a spoiler on my prospects list. Like half of the people that are on that list are from Brave. I'm not even kidding. Like no exaggeration. <laughs> There's that many good yeah, people yeah. coming out of there. So we'll get into it in a bit. But um, yeah, I, I do think that you could have put some other names on here, like Giga Chikadze probably could have fit on here. I think he had a yeah. fantastic year. But, um, yeah, I do have to go personally with Shamayev as well. Just because, man, like, he wasn't even in the UFC. He was coming from the other side of the planet. This wasn't um, Kevin Holland's first year. He was in 2019 as well, wasn't he? So mm-hmm. it's like we're literally yeah. going from complete obscurity. No one knows who he is. Hasn't even fought in the promotion yet. Fighting these two close times back-to-back. I do understand, though, why people kept picked kevin holland because he fought five times he fought more times than anybody else and he looked phenomenal each and every time and then he now has like kind of a crazy feud with izzy talking shit to him after his fight what is it back in october so it's like incredible stuff from him i definitely understand why people picked him but i personally disagree let's see what other people are saying Corey sandhagen and rob fine i think that is actually really far behind i thought they were just going to say Corey sandhagen for fighter of the year uh mike perry's girlfriend all right um diego sanchez <laughs> dude uh paul craig did have a great year he, he did impress me um absolutely what about jake paul jake paul no <laughs> oh man let me hide under this desk real quick let me get out of here um let's see female breakout star i think a really good one for that would definitely have to be amanda hebus i think she had a massive year yeah. Uh, Chaos Williams, I would say was a really great one, but he did, you know, I could see why he wouldn't necessarily be in top contention because he did just lose. I actually did score the fight for him. So let me give him some credit there. I thought Michelle Pereira just barely lost that fight. But again, it's a close decision, so it could go either way. But that would be a, you know, if you have a loss, it's hard to put you up there for fighter of the year. Yuri is great, but he only fought once. So Yuri's fantastic. He did fight on the New Year's Eve card for Ryzen, but that's New Year's Eve. So that was actually 2019. He only fought once in 2019 or 2020. Mike Jackson. And a champion as well, right? Like, I mean, we knew who Yuri was before he signed for the UFC. He was a big signing, you know, like Cape was. Like, it's just, it's just the way, it's just, Shemoyev is coming from complete obscurity. If we're yes. talking about what breakout means, that yes. is what breaking out is. Yeah, we got an international promotion in Ryzen that we're talking about there. International level. Um, Brave is a big regional promotion that is on the verge of becoming international, I would say, but they're not quite there yet. They don't have that kind of fanfare that people have for, you know, a Bellator card or a One card or a Ryzen card. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, it's a great shout. I I appreciate people bringing him out there because he did expose himself to more of the casual side of the audience. Jamal Hill, I think, is a great one. That's a fantastic one. Glover is another great one. 
Jesus Christ, did he come back from, you know, I mean, Anthony Smith, people forget, he was putting it on him in those first couple of rounds, and then so did Santos. Uh, Jesus Christ, he came back from some deficits in those fights and became extremely dominant in spite of it. Brandon Moreno was great. Um, Of course, Brandon Moreno fought before 2020, though. He was on The Ultimate Fighter. He beat Louis Smoka while he was still on the show. He's been in the UFC for a while. Somebody asked that question. Greg Hardy. (laughs) All right, so let's move it on. (laughs) Move past the trolls. Um, Let's get it on Nate Robinson. Jesus Christ, people are throwing that out there now. So there's your Jake Paul (laughs) shout-out. All right, so we're moving it on to female fighter of the year. I would put this at number one, but I think it was a little bit more contentious for the male uh, kind of category here. So we put this at number two. Who is the female fighter of the year? We've got Zhang Wei Li for the first option. Obviously, you know, she already won fight of the year according to our fans' choices here. We got Amanda Nunes, two-weight world champion. She's one of the real only ones that's defended after winning both the belts. I mean, she's just doing incredible stuff. Valentina Shevchenko looking breathtakingly dominant as well. No one's even close. I mean, those two are on a collision course. Mackenzie Dern, I find this one to be a bit of a weird one to be put on here. I'm not really sure how she made it into the number four slot, if I'm being totally honest. We'll talk about that a little bit more. So who wins it? Who is the fan's choice? Weili Zhang. She wins Female Fighter of the Year. Uh, What are your thoughts on this one, PT? I think uh, uh, Weili Zhang is incredible. I think... um she's brilliant i think she could she could dominate that division for many years to come however i don't know how you pick her ahead of valentina shevchenko this year Mm. based on the fact that she had one fight yeah um it was incredibly close incredibly contentious jay you might say contentious super contentious and then on the other side you have valentina who completely overwhelmed shukagan and then you know ran into a little trouble uh, against Maya and got the victory, showing her class, showing her dominance, showing her uh, ability to to kind of come back from uh, the first bit of adversity we've seen in her career. Um, I don't think that I don't think Wiley's performance, uh, a very close win over Jan Jacek, betters what Valentina did this year. That's just my opinion. I, I understand why you're picking Wiley. She's incredible. I think she can dominate for years, but based on this year alone, I'm going Valentina Shevchenko. Yeah, um, I actually fully agree with you for the exact same reason that you just laid out. Yes, she had the fight of the year performance, but let's not forget, Joanna, when she was going into that title fight, people were like, she doesn't really deserve this. What was it off a win of Michelle Watterson? It's like, Michelle Watterson is great as well, but we don't really see her up there with the Roses. You would have thought it would have been somebody like Rose or, you know, I don't know, even just putting uh, Joanna against... um, who am I trying to say? Andrash. You would at least expect that. Of course, she ended up going up at the end of the year, and she's another contender just for that. And she was starting to take over in the Rose fight, but she did lose that, which is why she's not in. I think Amanda Hebus should have been included in here just because I yeah. think she is on the track right now. She actually beat Mackenzie Dern last year in 2019. She's a very hard person to ignore right now, and she is just a star in the making. So I think... Um, that it doesn't stack up as high as Valentina Shevchenko, but I think that would have been a better listing personally than Mackenzie Dern. Um, Amanda Nunes is probably my second, to be fair. What's that? What was Kayla Harrison's year like in terms of her calendar year? I know she's fought recently, but but I I just imagine that she'd be in the mix because she is probably the female athlete outside the UFC that's making the most noise as far as I'm concerned. 
Or would you disagree? That's probably a better shot than going with Amanda Hebas or Mackenzie Dern because she is a championship-level fighter. And yes, you could argue the competition isn't as strong, and I would honestly agree there. But the way she's yeah, winning, the way she's doing it, she's making sure there isn't any debate about who is the best fighter outside of the UFC and any of the women's divisions. It's got to be her right now. And she made it down to 145, which is huge because she's a 155-pound fighter. They don't even have that in the UFC. So that shows that the door has been opened up a little bit. And we've seen plenty of PFL fighters make their way over to the UFC. Marlon Marai, uh, Justin Gaethje, former champions. She is certainly on that track if she wants to be there, and she was even fighting for promotions like LFA. And, of course, her embargo you know, that she has with PFL allows her to compete in regional promotions, not something like UFC, Bellator, not another international competitor. But, uh, yeah, fascinating stuff. I think um, if I were to put this in order, I would have to say Valentina Shevchenko, Amanda Nunes, then Wiley Zhang probably, and then maybe Kayla Harrison. Just because mm-hmm. if you go by dominant performances, who's challenging Nunes? Who's challenging Shevchenko? Wiley yeah. had an incredible performance, but it wasn't dominant like what we're seeing out of Shevchenko and Nunes. So let's see what other people are saying. Kayla suffers from the same curse Nunes does. Yeah, so you would be saying competition there. Lauren Murphy did have a great year. That's a really good yeah. comment there from Anthony Hines. Yes. Yan Jianan is amazing. Yan Jianan, that is a dark horse right really there. Good. She is really absolutely good. one of the people to watch, and we've actually put her on a bunch of our list. JTVO agrees with that one. He's put that up there. Yeezus Price also puts Amanda Hebus. I totally agree. Um, Valerie Lareda. I mean, when you want to talk about star power, I don't know that we've seen her up against top-level competition, but she's certainly emerging as a star for Bellator, and we'll have to see what happens. But... Yeah, uh, I think those are really great uh, suggestions there. Anything from you there, Lawton? Getting to the uh, essential uh, ones. <laughs> no, sorry, I, sorry. I said my vote was Valentina, personally, ah, but okay. that's about the only take I got on this one. But yeah, I mean, Whaley, yeah, she's badass, so I get it. <laughs> okay, Kyle Funk. Do you Kyle think we'll Falcon. see Harrison and Nunes uh, one day, Jay? Do you think that is something that we, it's kind of feels like it's bound to happen, right? Like when you consider. Any 45er in the world right now against Nunes, you'd probably pick uh, Kayla Harrison. She's fought once at the weight, right? Like, I mean, it's yeah. really like that cyborg-rousey dynamic. Um, obviously not as intense just yet, but yeah. it just feels like they're in different promotions, but they're on a collision course, right? Yeah, like in the aspect of being probably the two biggest stars separated by organizations right now that could fight. And they're kind of, a, I mean, there are a lot of parallels, obviously not as big like you just said, but yeah, I definitely see the parallels there 100%. Do I think it happens? Amanda Nunes has been talking about retirement a lot lately. Yeah, yeah. So I, I really have uh, questions on that. I think it won't happen in 2021. If it's going to happen, it's probably going to happen in 2022 or 2023 because we've already got Kayla Harrison signed up for the next year. Uh, so she's stuck in that tournament. And Amanda Nunes, I do think we will see Shevchenko potentially this year by the end of the year i think it will be very strongly in talks again um i mean who else do they even fight at this point for each of them you know um it's really tough finding them opponents so i say that that probably is what happens if if nunez goes okay if nunez does retire as you just said she and rightfully so she keeps suggesting it is Kayla Harrison a big enough name to keep Featherweight alive in the UFC if she goes over? Ooh. 
that's a tough one, isn't it? Because we haven't really seen her with the full promotional steel behind her, I guess, from from someone like the UFC. But I just feel like that link with Ali Abdelaziz, uh, him being such a power broker in the industry, his links with the UFC, I, I do feel like we're going to see her there one day. And I was wondering, do you think if Nunes is gone, are they even interested in bringing her over if she's only starting to make 145 now? Well, I they think we're going to see Whitaker or Till versus Cannoneer. See, I mix it up again. <laughs> um, <laughs> I do tend to agree um, with the what a lot of fans are saying here. I don't know if she necessarily is going to be that star. I mean, there are so many parallels between her and Ronda Rousey. I mean, she yeah. I, she even you know competed against her when she was much younger, and Ronda Rousey won in judo. Uh, obviously, not in MMA, but. There are so many parallels. I just, hmm, I just don't Tough see that it. quite yet. Yeah, I don't. I, I haven't seen the groundswell of support, but it's been hard to gauge as well. You know, it's not like when we had Showtime and they were doing seven hundred thousand, you know, viewers on Showtime with Rousey versus Tate. You know, it's not like we have these obvious indicators that show even half of that. And I'm not expecting her to be Rousey. I don't mean to compare it that to that level, but just something. It's not like we have the indicators yet. So I think that she could be a star, but her wrestling style is still, as much as we are MMA fans, as much as we love it as hardcore fans to watch it. I mean, I saw people saying that Habib was boring in the chat while we were watching that. It's like, you are so wrong about that. So wrong. Um, But people still say that about wrestling for even the most exciting styles like Habib where you couldn't be any more wrong about it, I think. The, to the fan that said that so you never know but yeah i see her as kind of middle of the stack to be honest yeah i see her middle of the stack i don't see her as being a massive star to keep the 145 going but if she yeah maybe. If she does something incredible like the cyborg loss to amanda nunes we could be talking some you know real star power after that for sure so she needs a big name yeah. a big name opponent that will get everybody talking and then open the floodgates hopefully yeah fantastic question all right enough enough about all these past you know awards let's get into the last one that we have the number one here this is the most contentious one i feel like who is the male fighter of the year i've got some opinions on this one i've seen the results here and uh yeah we'll just we'll see what happens so male fighter of the year who do we think won this one Davison Figueredo, he had technically uh, two title, well, three title defenses here. The first one was not a title defense because, or, or title win even because he didn't make weight. Uh, we got Kevin Holland. So sorry, that would be two title defenses. Kevin Holland, obviously five wins this year. Israel Adesanya, he fought twice. So he's got two title defenses this year. Um, and then we got our last one here, which is Hamza Shamayev. So again, it kind of goes around to this you know, incredible breakout year that he's had. Um, I think they're different questions personally. So let's see what yeah. people answered. Kevin Holland wins fighter of the year. So let's jump over to this one. The results for um, the vote on this one, it was 44.2% for Kevin Holland, 37.4% for Davison. Israel Adesanya was a far cry behind at 13%. And Hamza Shamayev was 5.4%. What are your thoughts on Kevin Holland getting the nod here from the fans' choice on Twitter. Look, I feel like people are going to start thinking I hate uh, Kevin Holland because I haven't <laughs> picked him for KO of the year. <laughs> I haven't I haven't picked him as breakout fighter of the year, and I'm not going to pick him for fighter of the year either. For me, it is Davison Figueredo. Uh, the, the 
the flyweight division was on its deathbed it needed to be revived we did a whole feature on it on mma on point and right. this is the guy who did it he is the most captivating flyweight champion in the history of the division so far and he is the gift that keeps giving even when we were saying oh my god he's going to go in here against moreno and he's going to smoke him too and will people still want to see this we have this tremendous fight that their fight to a draw we find out this incredible story about how he fell ill the day before even everything all the mystique that's building around the bag of cash handed to him by dana white and um, the former sushi chef all this stuff it's yeah. amazing he's a captivating character he's injecting energy into this division i think he is amazing i cannot wait to see this guy fight again whereas moreno or anyone else i think it should be moreno but whatever else it's got to be davis and figueredo he is a star in the making and, and we're going to see him flourish next year i really believe that and i think when you consider him against holland holland outrageous with that five and oh this year completely brilliant I, I thought it was amazing i think he's a captivating dude too he's very entertaining but <clears throat> excuse me the ramifications of davis and figueredo's year stretch far beyond davis and figueredo and for that reason i'm picking figueredo yeah again i i have to agree with you here for me, I feel like there was kind of two things that the fans were split on here. I feel like breakout fighter of the year is not fighter of the year. I don't feel like you can be one of those and also be the other unless you're literally in title contention by the end of it. And to be fair, Hamzat Shemaev was supposed to fight Leon Edwards, and he very well could have been on this list if he literally beat Leon Edwards. Because yeah. you could argue he would get a title shot off that. You go yeah. from complete obscurity to top five, but that fight, of course, didn't happen. So for, for me, that totally elim eliminates him. For Kevin Hollins, same thing. Yes, he did win five times, but he did not do it at a championship level. For me, that's a disqualifying uh, criteria. I think it should have been the people that are absolutely going through and putting on not just against rank and file i mean rank and file they're pros fighting in the best organization so i don't want to demean that but there is a big difference between the other 500 people on the roster and the one person in each division that stands up there alone as a title you know contender so charles du bronx i think is a great one there because he just made a case for being the guy that i want to see fight habib the most he has a ground game. He's got a stand-up game. He's got two great ingredients that make that fight far more compelling than seeing Poirier fight him again. So, you know, Habib has even said this, that he feels like if Connor and uh, Poirier are fighting, you know, like the, everything is planned on the 23rd, that they're supposed to be fighting for a title, in his opinion. Or he expects that. Not even supposed to be, but he expects that. Um, I don't want to see them fight Habib again. I don't think those were close fights, and I don't think they'll have done enough to say, oh, this is how they handle wrestlers now, really strong wrestlers now. We haven't really seen anything to answer that, you know? Um, uh, Tony Ferguson has knocked himself out of that, uh, you know, by losing here. I mean, he got knocked out by Justin Gaethje. Not knocked out, but he got finished on the feet, and he got moved out of that, that contention category, again, further down the line by Charles Oliveira. And so I think it's people like that that should be going up there. And for that reason, though, Davidson Figueredo fought the most times. He had the most impressive performances of any of the champions that fought this year. Stipe only fought once. You know, there's a load of title. You know, even Habib only fought once. But I would probably put him in here before Kevin Holland and uh, Shamayev. So I hope that's not too much of a hot take there for you guys. But I do think there's a difference. Breakout fighter is not fighter of the year. They're two different things unless they're in title contention because they're not making the case 
If you're going to be the male fighter of the year, you have to be making your case for the pound-for-pound best of the year. So let's see what the comments have to say. Connor's foot was a balloon. (laughs) That's right. Uh, Robert Whitaker is a good pick as well. Yeah, I mean, he definitely made himself easily the number two guy in the division. He made his case there. He is right underneath the title there. I mean, Israel Adesanya, I think he made his case. Uh, The only problem with Israel Adesanya is, of course, he didn't necessarily have um, two. One of the fights was very close. You know, I thought he won the fight against Yo Romero, but it was very close. So it wasn't crazy. And it just was so bad, right? And it was so bad, yeah. In terms of a spectacle, like, it's the first when. Right, you go, you're looking at these years. One of the names that pops up when you look at Adesanya's record is Romero. And Romero is an outrageous fighter, don't get me wrong. But you just think of that fight straight away and you're like, oh, man. Mm. You know? Like, it, like I think Adesanya is probably the best fighter in the world at the moment. But yeah. that performance uh, doesn't make for the fighter of the year 2020. I know that sounds ridiculous and I know it nearly contradicts myself, but I, I, I really feel like he's the best fighter in the world at the moment. But <laughs> he doesn't deserve 2020 fighter of the year. I don't no. Know. I totally agree with you because we're talking about the performances. We're talking about what they accomplished this year and what makes them. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, it is the accomplishment. So he might be the best fighter absent Habib. It's between those two right now. I mean, John Jones, yeah. let's not, you know, forsake him too much. But I did think he lost this year. So I think that is a disqualifying factor, even though he didn't technically lose his belt and vacated it. Jan Blahovich, I think, should be up there for just the incredible performances that he put on. But, yeah, dude, like, that's a tough one. Um People are saying Glover Teixeira. I think Glover, I mean, he definitely made a case, but mm, I don't quite put him in the same category. Jan Bloho just got two KOs after being the underdog both times. I mean, yeah, that dude cannot. I mean, I've got his underdog against Izzy. Again, I've not learned my lesson whatsoever. (laughs) He might KO Izzy. He's got the power. He's proved it time and time again, but I still got Izzy in that one. Imagine Jan Blahovic steals our Adesanya v. Jones uh, fantasy bout. You know what Oof. I mean? Oof. Oh, that would hurt my heart. Yeah. Gilbert um, Burns had a good year. I want to see Jan versus Jones, though. And Gilbert Burns, yeah, if it wasn't for COVID taking him off that fight, I've got – so, hot take, I got him as a favorite to be Usman because he's got the submission game to make the takedowns yeah. really, really tough for him. And, and, you know, let's not forget, he's also beat Damian Maya, so it's not like Usman hasn't taken down BJJ – you know connoisseurs experts you know but he's also got the hands to go along with it and make it way more interesting than Maya ever could have because of that element so man incredible stuff yeah i mean i mean you're putting yourself at risk if you're taking gilbert burns down you think right yes like i mean his level of jujitsu like it's going to be a very tactical fight hopefully it won't be on the tactical level of romero v (laughs) (laughs) jesus christ please no please no oh man well, um, I'm not seeing that many disagreements here. Um, Giannis so overlooks as Chris Spade. So, yeah, I think he belongs up there. If Gastelum rocked Izzy, the blow. Blo- oh, then Blahovich can. Oh, that's a really great point. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, a lot of people thought Whitaker could have as well. A lot of people thought that. I mean, you could maybe say that Yoel rocked Izzy at one point with one of the only shots he threw in the whole fight. <laughs> um, I don't know if he actually rocked him. But, yeah, I mean, you do bring up a good point. Anybody can rock anybody. Anybody can knock anybody out. So that's true. Vadim Nemkov, that's a great one. That's a great Yeah, well, that's outside. a great show. Yeah, it's such a weird year because we could be talking about Horiguchi's uh, resurgence this year, uh, but he's just now fighting. 
at the end of the year, and he was injured at the beginning of it. We could be talking about Kaya Sakura coming back from the Manel Cape loss. Of course. Um, yeah, so really, really, really interesting stuff. Um, Bellator didn't get to put on that many fights, and Vadim Nemkov was one of the standouts. Bader could have been in that discussion, but Bader, of course, lost. It's tough, man. Um, I do think although Lima lost to Musasi, he looked incredible in that fight. He was hurting Musasi. There's no doubt who spent more time in the hospital after that fight. Although Musasi did do the right things to win, it brought up an interesting debate about like what matters more in scoring criteria, pain, being hurt, or doing the right things to get up the points because Musasi did everything right to win. But I thought oh, I just- Lima did more to hurt him, you know? That pissed me off, like, that Bellator did that fight because we were looking at Lima as one of the best welterweights in the world, and it's just impossible to now, uh, even though he went up and he's fighting in a different weight class, Mm. you've taken the mystique completely off the guy. And Mm. then there's this whole talk of, I know they eventually did, but Romero's available, and you're not going to sign him for a couple of weeks? Yeah. Like, like, you're already destroying one of your welterweight talents against this guy. You've got to get more middleweight talent so you won't put yourself in that situation again. I'm really annoyed about that. I, d- I just don't know why they did that. And I think it's really taken the glow off Lima and it was unnecessary. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I was into the fight. I thought it was fun, but it didn't necessarily need to happen either. Um, yeah. Who knows? Maybe we'll see Lovato Jr. back. He's been saying that, like, maybe there have been some breakthroughs. I mean, he's got a brain condition, so I'm kind of like, oh, yikes. But they're saying he yeah. might come back in 2021 because they've had some breakthroughs. and So we'll see what happens there. But... Um, yeah, so I say we move it on here. You can fade out the music. So we've got something interesting to bring up here. So actually, how do I, how do I send this to you? Actually, I'm just going to send it out into the chat, and you can grab it that way. I don't care who sees it here. But Kaposa made a ridiculous list. So, yeah, if you just click it out from the comments, it should pop up in Chrome, and then you can bring it over to the browser here. But he made... So we're talking about the guy that watches all the fights throughout the year. Normally we do the composer's corner. Of course, we went for a different theme this week. But yeah, you should be able to just drag it over. Oh, it's not letting you. There you go. So um, should be able to bring that up. Thanks, composer. Yeah, thanks, composer. But so male fighter of the year. He had so many different takes on here. So this is just kind of a fun thing to go through this. He has so much insight just all around the world, not just UFC, but... He's the best, man. He's the best. Yeah, incredible stuff. It looks like Davison was his top dog. Isra Adesanya, I think he went off kind of the ethos that you and I were talking about. If he's probably the best fighter that's active right now, absent Habib's retirement. Um, But of course, Habib only fought once this year, so that's a little bit... That notches him down a little bit. Jan Blahovic up there. Kamar Usman, I mean, incredibly dominant fight over Masvidal albeit on a week's notice, but, you know, still. Piotr Jan, incredible performance over Aldo. Henry Cejudo retired this year, quote-unquote. I think he's coming back. Volk, yeah, definitely doesn't make it there. And then he went for more of the kind of breakouts after that. Tybura went 4-0 this year. I didn't even realize that. Marcin Tybura, wow. Yeah, great year. Neil Magny. Greg Hardy. What's, oh, yeah, everybody loves seeing that. Man, what a weird fight. Um, Moving it down to female fighter of the year. Let's see what he had. We'll just kind of quickly breeze through this. Um, Chris Cyborg, yeah. Uh, So he he was kind of on the same take, it looks like, putting her at the top of his list. Shevchenko for number two. 
So the, again, this is Kapoza's stuff. The, this was just his two cents on everything. I know he sent this to Ariel Wani as well. This is <laughs> what you would consider a prolific listing from one of the experts out here. So we're going to see a whole lot more names on here. Um, oh yeah, Juliana Velasquez. That's such a great one. Yeah. Alima Leigh McFarland was just, you know, untouchable over the past, you know, her entire career, really, ever since she beat that soccer mom. <laughs> like, she's <laughs> been the person to watch in Bellator in the women's division since, you know, Cyborg came, or since before Cyborg came. Lauren Murphy was a great one. Yan Janan, Holly Holm. Um, GDR, I think, is a great shout to bring on there as well. Yeah. Just because, I mean, who saw that submission coming? Carla Esparza. It's hard to get hype around Carla Esparza after, <laughs> you know, that Yoana loss will haunt her for the rest of her days but it will haunt me never mind carla jesus it was tough to watch man <laughs> tough to watch yeah. breakthrough fighter of the year i think there's some great ones here Ilya taporia that's a great one great show love romanov love kyler that. phillips man ludovic klein he knocked out city kickboxing Brilliant. guy nobody expected that tom aspinall that's a great one jamal hill so those were some additions there event of the year so this is a category we didn't actually have so if you want to scroll down to that, all good. Figgy versus Moreno. Interesting. That was a great card. Great card. Ferguson versus Gaethje is jumping out at me. And maybe that was just because there was the drought going into that one. But so you know, we had man. Cejudo versus Dominic Cruz in that one as well. And, you know, that the birth of the beer and cigarettes, uh, Keith Peterson memes. But, I mean, it was a great performance <laughs> on his part. Um, Habib versus Gaethje was great. I mean, there was a lot of great fights on that one. Covington versus Woodley. I, he's also got ACA list in here, which I think is great that he's not just thinking UFC-centric. Usman versus Masvidal. Yeah, I got soured by the main event not being as entertaining, but, you know, <laughs> me and Lawton had a shouting match with all the fans that were just disappointed. That, like, what did you guys expect? You expected Usman to stand and trade with Masvidal. What did you guys think was going to happen? He put Fight Circus in there. Oh, man. Oh, Kaposi, you have lost so much credibility now putting Fight Circus in there. I think he's going for pure entertainment value. Figgy versus Benavidez 2. Marais versus Sanhagen. That turned out to be a great, in particular, main card. Hermanson versus Vittori. Munoz versus Edgar. It's harder to talk about the AC ones in depth. We covered some of those fights, but not enough. Bud versus Cyborg. That ended up being a great... I mean, it was a shutout performance by Cyborg. Bellator struggled to put on their best foot forward this year, I would say. They've had some good cards, but it's mostly been top-heavy, you know? Um, fight of the year. Um, yeah, dude, I'm not going to read through all these, but I'll read through the top of them. Um, so UFC Bellator, Wiley Zhang versus So He Agreed there. Piotr Jan versus Jose Aldo. That was one of your dark horse picks there. Uh, PT, Dustin Poirier Love versus it. Dan Hooker. Volk versus Holloway too. That was a great fight. Yeah, as contentious as it was, it was an amazing fight. Emmett versus Shane Burgos, Davison Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno. I'm surprised that got that far down the totem pole. Maybe it's the Irics. Maybe it's the ball shots. I don't know. Maybe that's what demoted it for him. Hooker versus Felder. Vittori versus Jack Hermanson. Nami Yunus versus Jessica Andrash too. That's a great one. John Jones versus Dominic Reyes. Yep. Um, and then he's got a bunch of honorable mentions. People did mention Kai Carference versus Brandon Royville. Nate Landwehr versus Darren Elkins. Ooh, my, my Tennessee boy there. He literally lives in this city, Nate Landwehr. We'll probably do some content with him here soon. 
Uh, Michelle Watterson versus Angela Hill. That was a great, great, great fight. Um, yeah, let's move it on. Let's see if there's anything else interesting here. There's just too many to go through here, but I want to give Kaposer a shout out because he's normally on the show. Regional fight of the year. Oh, I like this. Jesus. Like this. Um, Best one with the pronunciations, though, Jay. <laughs> yeah, we'll let you go with this one. Can you read these? Is it too I far can't. Away? Unfortunately, it's going to have to be ah. you, bud. <laughs> okay, I'm going to try the hardest one, the top one. Abdul Aziz. So that was a great start. Abdul well, Vakahabov. Yeah, I know. Good luck. Going with that. Yeah, I know him so well. Alexander Sarnowski. Um, yeah, I don't. I know I've seen that fight, but I don't remember that one. And I definitely don't know how to pronounce it. Jesus Christ. So, yeah, I think we'll have to move on in that one because I don't want to butcher any more of these names. UFC knockout of the year. He went with Joaquin Buckley, Cody Garbrandt versus Rafael Sunsau, Kevin Holland versus Jacques Ray Souza. So he actually put Cody Garbrandt at two. Wow. Um, okay, moving it on. Honorable mentions. Miles Johns versus Kevin uh, Natividad. Wow. Um, Cub Swanson versus Daniel Pineda. Wow, what a rallying performance at the end of that yeah. round. Incredible stuff. Cass Williams versus Alex Morono. Dude, I, I met Alex Morono this year for the first time. Super cool dude. He's actually a fan of our stuff. And uh, I interviewed him before that fight. And it was just like, oh, man. That was gut-wrenching to watch. But it was a great performance by Chaos Williams. Spike Carlisle, that's a great one, versus Elon Cruz. I actually picked Elon Cruz to win that fight. Surprising. All right, we'll move it down. Bellator knockout of the year. Michael Chandler versus Benson Henderson. Uh, it's an easy lock. Mm-hmm. Benson Henderson's only been knocked out one time in his life, and that was against RDA, but he wasn't out cold. Michael Chandler put out Benson Henderson cold, and of course it's an older version of him. It's not you know near his prime, so there's all that to think about, but great, great point. Pitbull versus Carvalho. Pitbull is, I mean, we could have put him in the fighter of the year category. I think he got snubbed a little bit it's in amazing. that. Dude, that it's guy amazing. is probably my favorite champion outside of the UFC right now. Probably. Vadim Nemkov versus Ryan Bader. Yep. Uh, Landy versus Brezier. Um, Tim Johnson versus Tyrell Fortune. That was an upset. Tyrell Fortune was a big prospect going into that fight. Aaron Pico versus John DeJesus. That's great. Ricky Bandejas. Um, Ricky and Bandejas. was it? Yes. And let's give him some credit. Ricky Bandejas, after beating Gallagher, went through the biggest like gauntlet of fighters right after beating him. Uh, he's had some tough losses over the past couple of years. I think he's like 3-3 three and three right now. I think um, it's terrible that they got rid of him. If he's cut from Bellator, they've made a big mistake. Um the Bandeas Gallagher thing is unbelievable. I mean, mm-hmm. I know I, people want to see that rematch. Gallagher has been on a winning streak since then. You put Bandeas into the blender after that. There's people in Ireland, in the UK, yes. lining up to fight Bandeas because he's been so captivating. Win or loss in there, he is brilliant to watch. He had that fantastic knockout over Franz Malambo. And then Bellator, like, you know, a, a few a loss later, he's gone. I think a terrible idea. You've got to give Gallagher the chance to rematch Bandeas. You've got to give Bandeas a chance to do that. I mean, I just don't understand the way they matched Bandeas after that Gallagher win. I just, I really don't. Uh, I think it was Juan Arcoleta straight away. He Ooh. was straight into that championship mix. This is a guy who just graduated from the regional scene before he fought Gallagher, and then you just threw him into the into a cage full of Lions. Gave the um, guy I think, Yeah, they they got to, like, you know, look at the way they... They have nurtured the likes of Gallagher, the likes of Michael Venom Page. How are you going to do that? 
how are you going to do it at the Ricky Bandeas? I, I, I just, I think they made a big mistake there. He's a great, great fighter. And I think the UFC would have loved a guy like him when Bellator signed him. And they, it was a cue for them to get him and then to wash their hands of him after the things he's done. Big mistake, in my opinion. Yeah, and, um, you know, Gallagher, I think he's turned into a legit prospect over the past couple of years. And I think that there's almost like a meme level kind of thing where people want to count him out. But he actually is very, very talented, and I don't think he gets enough credit because of that one loss. But I also do have to say, you look at the diverging paths that they went on after that fight. Ricky Bandeos has had the much, much tougher oh, yeah. opposition. Much, much tougher opposition. And I think that's what we're all waiting for. Let's get Gallagher in front of some of these bigger names that Ricky Bandejas, frankly, had to fight. And it, it would have been a great entry point to say, all right, let's put him against the same opponents after they rematch. Let's see if Gallagher is adjusted enough um, and see if that was a fluke, whatever you want to say. Uh, let's see how that goes. And unfortunately, we never got to see that. So I think that's a great point. The thing, the thing about Gallagher that people don't understand is like Bellator aren't used to like selling out cards. Every time Gallagher is doing a fight in Dublin, it's selling the place out. Mm. You go to London to watch an MVP fight and we have half the arena. Gallagher's doing double them numbers. That's that's is like uh, regardless of how you feel about him or how many memes you put out about him, that's value. That is true value. And um look, Gallagher's been the one saying, I wanna fight these guys, I wanna mm. fight these world level guys. He wanted he even told me at one stage he wanted to go to Japan and fight Horiguchi and when when Ooh. Horiguchi was the rising champion. No, but you know what I mean? Like it's 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 Bellator and maybe and, and cleverly, James is still twenty three. You know, yeah. that's that's such a young guy. Um but they are right to nurture him, but I wish they had done the same with, with Bandeas because he deserved yes. it. And he and he was a star in the making, I felt. And, and look, that knockout that Caposa put in there against Franz Malambo. Franz Malambo used to be the only guy that could hang with Conor McGregor in that Mendez so camp. It's not actually all surprise. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't know what that was. I think yeah, uh, Vaughn's doing some background research. And yeah, I was doing some video. background stuff, and I clicked an audio. That's my bad. Continue. It's all right, Vaughn. It's all right. It's all right. It's <laughs> my third oh, whiff uh, of the day. He's literally watching just... our videos because he's so bored hearing us talk. He's actually watching our own <laughs> videos because he's so bored. No, I'm grabbing some links to put in the chat. I can't find <laughs> them, right, so I went to an old video. <laughs> Nice. I'm sorry, I'm boring you guys. But anyway, Franz Malambo's a great fighter. It's a huge knockout that uh, Bandeja's got there. Fair play, Kaposa. Cool. And just to give uh, Kaposa a little bit more shine here, so that's what we're going through here. That's what you're seeing on screen. We'll go through regional knockout of the year, and then we'll just move into free chat for the last you know 20 minutes or so here. But, of course, what's his number one but Mohamed Khalidov versus Scott Askham. So that's the switch kick you. we were talking Kaposa. about earlier. Great, great, great choice. Absolutely amazing. Dude, look at number four, Alex Pereira beating Thomas Powell. He's fighting in LFA. It's a known feeder league to the UFC. This is the only guy to have ever finished in any combat sport, Israel Adesanya. He knocked him out clean. He had decision losses all before that Israel Adesanya did in all of his kickboxing fights, and he's never been finished in the UFC. He's an undefeated pro. He only has one loss. That's his amateur record where he got wrestled in like 2012. That's the only time Israel Adesanya's lost an amateur competition. Alex Pereira knocked him out. This dude is on the track to the UFC. He trains out of Glover Teixeira's gym. He's getting the all-around MMA experience like we've just seen in Glover's performances. I mean, he's getting hurt on the feet and choking people out. That's who Alex Pereira is training with. We have to see this guy. In 2021, we might very well see him, dude. Like, I can't wait oh, for yeah. this dude. 
I so, can remember uh, we had a recent uh, writers meeting. It was me, Jay, and uh, Tommy, Tommy Toehold, and we're, we're discussing uh, what fights, what championship fights we'd love to see next year. And Jay just said, Alex Pereira against absolutely anybody. I don't care. <laughs> just put him in there. <laughs> so uh, absolutely. Okay. We'll see, man. Beautiful, beautiful striker, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Gazavat Sulimanov versus Yabuzuli. Uh, that... But funny, fun fact, that's his whole name. We actually covered that in the Crazy Christmas Knockouts. What a finish. It was the first shot he actually threw in the fight, spinning back elbow. Jesus. That was incredible. Um, yeah, a lot of great stuff on here. So I think we can move it on there. He's got, oh, he's got um, the Contender Series listed as all promotions, which is true because that's not technically UFC fight, but he's got Chukwu's win over Matavio, um, the head kick finish that he had to get into the UFC. So that's a great one to list there as well. But yeah, let's move it on. Um, I say we just go into the kind of normal chat here. Let's get some thoughts for you guys as we wrap this up here and give you guys a chance to speak to us a little bit here. Uh, walk out of the year, Darren Till with no music. <laughs> yeah, Dude, I'm not a cool, huge man. fan of, you know, um, what is it? Uh, Neil, what's his name? I want to say the drummer, Neil Pert. Uh, what's his name? Will Diamond. Will, Neil Diamond. Will Diamond. Will Farrell playing Neil Diamond. I'm thinking way too many things at once here. <laughs> that was a big staple on SNL. Way too many ridiculous things here. Um, dude, I don't even really necessarily care for Neil Diamond's music, but one of the best walkouts I've ever seen in my life was going to Liverpool and watching him walk out against Steven Thompson. Dude, that was just so captivating how into it the audience and the crowd was like... Darren Till's walkouts are legit. I'm into it. Yeah, I like, I do, like, I mean, Sweet Caroline, I guess it's synonymous with big boxing cards in the mm. UK and stuff like that. They play it before then, so it really worked in terms of generating that interest in the crowd. But I thought way cooler was when he used to walk out to In the Air Tonight by Phil Collins. I thought Ooh. that was really creepy and it was really like um, atmospheric because if you remember, the drums only kick in, you know, halfway through that song. <laughs> and it's very ambient and uh, you just have Till walking out with this steely look on his face and it's so such a contrast to the kind of jovial social media kind of clowning that we like to see him do I used to think that was amazing and I can remember telling um, Helwani for um, I was on the MMA or the week um, he, he did that walk out against Thompson and I timed my walk to the K like to, to the press <laughs> row at the same time he started coming out so I just pretended everybody was singing to me and uh, yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> Thanks again to all the fans in Liverpool for giving me such an ovation. Beautiful people. Oh yeah, they were all there for you, man. Amazing stuff. And <laughs> let's give uh, Stephen Thompson a shout out there too. He's got one of the best not, uh, walkouts as well. I love Tenacious D already. Was always a big fan of the Pick of Destiny, their old HBO show. Huge fan of Jack Black in general. Yeah, that was a walkout, walk off, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> Great stuff. Um, let's um, see. Need to, can I give one for one one shout as well to Paddy Pimblett, who has, Ooh. you know, he's had this walkout every time in a sold out Echo <laughs> Arena. So you're talking ten thousand people usually, and he did it during the lockdown in Manchester. It's uh, a famous Tiesto song, um, uh Lethal Industry," I think it's called. It's like a, it's mm. a famous dance song, and it goes into "Where's Your Head At." after it but uh he somehow managed to take all the energy he usually gets from them ten thousand people and bring it into his ring walk um when there was nobody there in that manchester card back in march so um hats off to paddy pimley he never fails to amaze me with that stuff oh dude yeah he's got 
he was like one of those guys, just even seeing him back, you know, four or five, you know, even six years ago, you're like walking, watching his walkouts. You're like, dude, this guy has some incredible magnetism to it because the He's crowd just goes crazy when that dude's walking out. Like, man. But um, yeah, so let's actually go to some super chats. We'll let Lawton lead um, a couple of these just because you have it pulled up on your screen. But uh, if you want to read those out, brother. Yeah, I think we... We're a little behind because we've been a little busy, but yeah, I'll just kind of read long. through all of them just in case we missed one. So at the very top of the chat, we had our mini in jiu-jitsu. Good to see you as always in here. He said, if Ric Flair doesn't win fighter of the year, we riot. <laughs> so I think there's about to be a riot going. Uh, always into those 90s pro wrestling references. I, know, I love it, dude. And then Nicola, one of our uh, mods, said, why am I not fan of the year? Um, and I told her in the chat she was, so there you go. There's your shout-outs. <laughs> I think we got to mention Angela... We got a few of those during the actual awards. Uh, Steve Space oh, yeah. O uh, gave us a super chat. He said, can we do an overall fighter appreciation? Thanks to all athletes, entertaining and motivating during the lockdown. Imagine this year without any of this. I think everyone can kind of agree and sympathize with that. It's definitely kind of. made this shitty year a little less shitty. Then we got Curry <laughs> Neba, another another regular in here, uh, said, Zabit versus Zombie, who wins, and do you think Zabit's cardio will forever be his Achilles heel? Mm. So I will toss that to you two to talk about. Yeah, so... Did he, did, did he book that? Is, that? is that legit going ahead, Jay? I haven't heard that. Uh, I know that Zombie was calling for it pretty heavily, and everybody was I criticizing it because Zombie... Yeah, everybody was really criticizing that one because it's like, well, Zombie just lost, so how's he going to fight a guy in the top five on the title track? Um, but real quickly, I do just want to say that was a fantastic super chat from whoever was saying, what was their name, uh, giving the shout-out to all the fighters? Uh, Steve Space O. Yeah, I don't recognize that name, but yeah, it's a Steve O. It's the actual Steve O this time. <laughs> uh, what do you know? Um, oh, yeah, it's an awesome, awesome super chat. Yeah, great <laughs> super chat. So I just really want to commend the uh, the uh, that that super chat in particular. Jay Tivo says, "I'm the MMA on point, pound for pound king." That's an OG right there. We used to award the comment of the week. Maybe we can bring that back again. I think that would be fun. Our favorite comment, we called them the pound for pound of the week. And the last time we did it, Jay Tivo won. So all the credit in the world to Jay Tivo for sticking with us since we had like, I don't know, 5,000 subscribers. Um, well, so um, going back to that point though. Yeah. So what do you think about Zabit's cardio on this point from Curry Neba? I think this is an interesting comment. I personally got to take on it, but I'm curious to see what you think, PT. We haven't really seen the, the, the full um, capabilities of his, his gas tank, I'd say. Um, I mean, you know, even look at the likes of Gaethje. Like, he looks fantastic over five rounds against Tony or four, four or five rounds against Tony. And then in one round, Habib can just empty the battery and, and get that submission. Um, it's all about what places you're being put in. Are you being the uh, the nail rather than the hammer in your fight? Like, I mean, a lot of the times we see Zabit, he is dominating maybe against Calvin. It wasn't the same thing. So we really don't know um, the, the extent of his gas tank yet. So, um, I mean, in terms of the question for the zombie fight, I, if I was his manager, I'd advise him not to take that fight because you're basically giving um, Korean zombie a second bite of the cherry after failing against Brian Ortega. But, um, look, I, I think Zabit's prime for a big 2021. I think he's been outrageous ever since he was um, competing under the ACB banner back in the day. Uh, we had so many stars during that era, like Piotr Jan, and guys like that so um yeah I don't, I don't really know but i'm interested to hear jay's take on this engine because i know he's got something hot there in his back pocket <laughs> 
Well, um, shout out to ACB, now ACA, by the way, because uh, on that last Super Chat point, I mean, they've been putting on events like crazy this year, insane cards. So I do want to jump on that because you mentioned ACB and how he used to fight for them. But yeah, so my take on this is he fought a three-round main event with Calvin Cater, and that's the only instance we've seen him him gassing out. So I don't think that's a definitive thing. And he had claims... We don't know for sure that he had some form of staff that he was dealing with. And we've seen that in plenty of fights where people gas out as a result of that. We saw that in the Kevin Lee versus Ferguson fight where he was putting on an incredible performance. And yes, I do think Tony was the better fighter, but his gas and cardio was definitely limited. I mean, you could see it on his chest. I mean, it was just a massive, you know, um, birthmark of a sized, you know, staff infection. It's just rough to watch. But so the way I see it is I think that, you know, jury's out on whether or not he actually had staph infection. I don't know that I've seen that independently corroborated, but I'm also inclined to believe him as well because that's the only time I've seen him truly, you know, remotely look gassed or tired in the middle of a fight. He's had incredible fights in the past, you know, like he's had wars that go all the way to the end and he looks great. That was the only time we'd ever seen that. I'm trying to think of the the fighter that I have in mind where he just had a war all the way to the end and the guy just kept coming forward. Coil Bochniak, was it? Yes. Yes, that was the one. Bochniak was the one that just kept coming for him, didn't give up. He was getting dominated in the fight, but he was throwing the kitchen sink at that dude. Not everything but Beautiful. the kitchen sink. He grabbed the kitchen sink off the wall and threw at him as well. <laughs> he went after him, and nothing happened to Zabit's resolve. Nothing happened to his cardio. And yes, he did slow down a little bit, but it wasn't like he was looking in the cater fight. Totally different version of him. So I, I think it's unfair to judge him off the one fight. Let's see what it looks like in the next one. The um, I'll say the skepticism is justified, but to say outright, oh yeah, he's a gas machine like you know Connor or something like that. No, 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 no. Hey, way too early, way too early. Oh, are you Irish? Uh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm I never realized. Oh my bad, my bad. How dare you? How dare you, my countrymen? I should say that I love every single American that lives here. Um, <laughs> to go along with that. Um, that I remember we used to we used to kind of shit on Biz being a little bit because of his uh, earlier days. Um, and Tom would be doing these lists, talking about you know like when he need Jorge Jorge Rivera. No, I made sure I didn't say Masvidal all this time. I did do that in a video once, which is really funny, and I've been making mistakes today, so I had to be slow about it. But um, he need him on the ground, spin on his corner. He had all that stuff going on on the Ultimate Fighter. He was definitely not a liked, a well liked person at the end of the Ultimate Fighter. V Dan Henderson, definitely not a well liked fighter. He had those like kind of heel days, if you want to put it in that kind of terminology. And I remember when we talked about that in videos, because Tom was voicing it, it was like, but he's British, dude. It's like, <laughs> what? How is that like supposed to mean like you can't like somebody like, oh, yeah, I'm sure you love all politicians that are American because you're yeah, American, like, right? Like, what are you talking about? Like, you can't dislike somebody from your country. Like, what are you talking about? But this is the thing for for me the whole Bisping story the story arc um you know Ireland and England are uh, roi- have a great rivalry too believe it or not um but um believe it or not <laughs> but Bisping Bisping like that Henderson victory was celebrated in Ireland as if it was an Irish man who had did it like I mean people mm. were going wild for Hendo over here but then when you loop around to that Luke Rockhold uh, yeah. shock win. Like I, I was in an, in my apartment that night with my friends, 
and I could hear apartment block like people in apartments all around the place going crazy for Bisping. So it made it made it so much more amazing that everybody was willing him on to win that world title that night, despite all that other stuff happening. So that's why there was this big, huge kind of uh, push for to get him uh, to be uh, BBC Sports Personality of the Year, which is this huge thing. He wasn't even nominated. Um, people were disgusted about it, but look how far MMA has come with Habib winning the World Sports Star at the BBC um, Sports Personality Year Awards this year. So a uh, mm-hmm. bit of a tangent I went off on there, but I can only apologize, Jay. Yeah, um, this is your last <laughs> time on this chat, I got to say. Uh, so bad. No, I actually think it's a really good point. And yeah, and now all that to say, Bisping is not the same person he was when he won the Ultimate Fighter on, what was that, season three and beat Matt Hamill worst robbery ever again um well that was actually after he beat some other dude who he needed on the ground as well i can't remember who that was that version of bisbing is not the bisbing that exists today so like by all means um Man, that it's a great point, tangent though, just on that note um i always remember a very like like fucking <laughs> bisbing's like you piece of shit you brought my family into it and then they go through a very like dude i said nothing about your family <laughs> Yeah, he literally said he did like a South Park parody and called him the biggest dick in the whole wide world. Like literally a South Park yeah, parody. Yeah, 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 yeah. He did make some British jokes, which whatever, those are a bit tongue in cheek, but it's like it's Everyone not like really them. that offensive, dude. It's not really that offensive. It might be annoying. It might be overdone, but like Jesus Christ. Man. You acted like he did say something about your family. By the way, Carson, um, we'll get that audio fixed for you. Appreciate you. I love that every single what? week he always comes on and trolls us with that comment. So we got we gotta we gotta work with him. Are you any of you guys watching Ryzen tonight? Um well No. It's uh, tomorrow, right? It it is tonight at four AM. Tomorrow for you, that would be at a great time. That's like ten AM for you, but it's like four yeah, AM here in the US. So um getting a taste of our own medicine as Americans <laughs> that are usually getting this at prime time and then you guys are the ones that are having to stay up super late. It's at a great time for you guys. Midnight it Eastern really time. So it's at 11 p.m. It starts that early. What, what? So they're three hours behind. Actually, that makes sense because that would be about 9 p.m. for them. So, yeah, that's about right. Eight or nine. I never miss them. it. I, lo- I love it. I love a bit of New Year's Eve MMA. It's the, the 4 a.m. I'm thinking about is dreading the always. It's always there. The big, massive, long intermission that inevitably oh, happens halfway horrible. through. For those of you who don't know how Ryzen does their shows, just like how Pride used to do it, and it's the reason why their events are so long, they actually run it like a variety show. So mm-hmm. they don't air the fights live. What they do is they air it to you know the people that are really the hardcores on separate channels, but what goes on like Fuji Television, for instance, is a compilation of the best things of the night. So it's more like a variety show, and they'll sometimes air the main event live, but a lot of times they'll even cut that down. So what they're seeing by the time it goes to prime time Japanese television is a much more condensed version. So that's why the intermissions are so long because it's literally like the editing team's like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, let's get all this together. Let's get all everything and put that into a short package that we can then put on TV and be reviewed before all that. It's just insane what they actually do. But uh, the worst one was the tension on Mayweather one. That was fucking absurd. People were losing their minds. I can remember my friends in LA like going, what the fuck is going on here? How do you do this? What is wrong with your people? Every weekend? (laughs) It's sadistic, dude. It's sadistic. It's unreal. And I'm the one trying to move to the UK where I'm just running into the belly of the beast on all this. Um, 
Wait do we the know if they're doing primetime US or primetime UK for Poirier versus Condor? Do we know that yet? Because I know that's um, question. No, but I know all the other Abu Dhabi cards, all the all the the, the numbered ones where they they had they were good for my time. Like they were they were yeah. at like seven PM or something. I think Habib might be the factor there around that just because American pay-per-view buys are obviously the bigger breadwinner. And I mean, I don't know if Connor's numbers are true, by the way, I'm sure you saw that with the, the Mac life put out. And so this is coming from Connor. He he said he got 1.35 million pay-per-view buys. Usman versus Masvidal Masvidal got 1.3. And then uh, it was like Izzy versus Costa got like 700,000. I don't know if those are accurate, but it is. if it is accurate, then that's actually something pretty crazy because ever since we've been in the ESPN Plus era, we don't hear these numbers anymore. There aren't the independent, you know, that the Dave Melchers can go out to and talk to. You would literally have to know someone on the inside of ESPN Plus who's not about to give that information up. So as a result, we have no idea what these numbers are. So that's actually quite a bit of big news to see what supposedly their biggest pay-per-views were this year. I can actually yeah, put that up. Instagram, oh, was... um, the Mac Life. Instagram, the Mac Life, and it's one of their most recent photos. I think it'd be interesting to show the chat. Go ahead, sorry. It doesn't. It doesn't surprise me that, like, that was the biggest pay per view because you know I was at that fight, huge interest in the fight in the U.S. Particularly, I felt. Um, but the one point five seems wild, right? Like, because I can remember talking 1.35. to people at the time. Okay, okay, but I can remember at the time people are kind of saying for the UFC to ever break 1 million now uh, with the ESPN plus deal, that would be a big, big deal. And they kind of absolutely pissed all over the one, the one uh, million milestone there, you know? So I am a bit surprised by that to be, to be completely honest. Yeah. It's not really trying a couple more times. Sometimes it'll, it's weird how the, yeah, try a couple more. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Eventually it starts to like actually zoom in. It's trying to, has be anyone else released these numbers though? No, no, I've never well, seen any of these. You know, it's Connor's website. Like, it's Connor's website. So, I mean, there's a lot of self-interest in it that could make you doubt it. But we haven't even seen number estimates for these events. You know, um, I don't doubt that he's right that he that he is the most bought. Like, mm-hmm. that wouldn't surprise me at all. But the number, how are we to know? Like, I mean, yeah, if he's the only person yeah. releasing that, like, how, how are we to know? Can you imagine if any other athlete in the promotion tried doing this? How like Dana has to be furious about this. If even if it's fake, he's mad that it's fake. If it's real, he's mad that it's real. On either end, Dana is pissed off that Conor McGregor is putting out numbers for his events because they want to hide that stuff. That's one of Dana's biggest like talking points. Like you guys don't know. We're a private company. We don't share our numbers. You don't even know what our, our real pay-per-view numbers are. And he even debated that with uh, the weasel from Showtime. What's his name? I, for, I forget over the Floyd Mayweather versus Connor fight. Brendan Schaub. Brendan Schaub. <laughs> <laughs> the weasel Brendan Schaub. No, the uh, the president. Oh, I forget his name. Um, yeah, everybody knows oh, yeah, who I'm I know talking, talking about. Steven Espinoza, yeah. vulgar genius. You are a genius, my friend. Thank you for putting that out there. But yeah, it's like even those two are going at it. And Showtime clearly has the real numbers because they're the pay-per-view partner and all of that, the biggest pay-per-view partner along with UFC. So it's really funny to see. Oh, JT Tiva says, um, PD, uh, PT, PT is what he put. Were you in Dana's video? His hit piece no, on the media. the court, man. I, I, <laughs> I don't think it was negative enough. Um, I'm going to double down on my negativity. 
2021 and hopefully i will make his psychopathic tirade of 2021 what a lunatic what a fucking lunatic use this clip thank you there you go use that clip next time (laughs) Yeah, I just love the fact that he's calling it the the fake news media, quote unquote, and he literally, like, there's no way he didn't know that he was pulling, particularly the Ari Hawani one, which, you know, shout oh. out to, uh, you know, Twitter know, police you, for putting that out. Do you know how petty out. that is? Do you know so how petty, petty that is? Like, he, like he, he found, who, what intern did he get to go through all this shit? Like, <laughs> I mean, and then the intern got to say, no, here, hi, Dana, um, Look, I, I've been all over the Helwani 2020 catalog, but I found this little clip we could use. It's out of context, <laughs> but I mean, they won't look for it. Do you want to use that one? Of course. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And that's the um, thing. Like, do you know what it is? I, I have, I have um, journalist friends who cover other sports. That's mm. one of them moments when your other friends that cover sports, like mainstream sports, are getting onto you like, what the fuck is this? You know? that That is one of those moments. And... I will be shocked if that doesn't come back to boy him in the arse. I will be shocked. Somebody says, oh, walk out. Uh, so Anthony Walker says, I was disappointed that I was snubbed in that video. I've been very negative this year. <laughs> me and Anthony, Anthony next year, me and Anthony are going to do it. I, I feel it in my waters. You'll make me it. Me and Anthony Walker are going to do it. We're going to try real hard. <laughs> Average Russian asks us to explain what happened. So basically, uh, the gist of it, and you can still see it on Dana's, you know, uh, feed from probably about a week and week and a half ago, something around that timeline. He um, released a video. It's another one of these self-congratulatory things of like, we did it when no one thought we could do it. We put on shows throughout COVID, and there is a lot to be commended there. Let's you know, let's not take everything away from him there, but. He's going so far the other direction that's just so ridiculous. It's like you probably could have found some real actual criticism that wasn't taken out of context and put that in your video. What he did instead was in the self-congratulatory video was he just took the most notable names he could find in MMA media, minus Pizzi and Anthony Walker, apparently. He found the biggest ones. Whether they said this or not, he edit in them saying like oh yeah it's gonna fail it's not safe it's dangerous and in ariel wani's case in particular he was literally quoting what other mainstream not mma media was saying so that's the irony no medical practitioners he was he was quoting medical practitioners basically you know like it's it's insane he wasn't saying what dana purported for him to be saying yeah and how about the fact that habib's father died of this uh, you're oh, one of your biggest man. stars. Uh, yeah, how does the beef that? Look, guys, look, guys, we did it. How many fighters tested positive for COVID, mate? Like, mm. you know, like, you got it. Come on. Like, Cody Garbrandt, we don't know if he's going to be the same again. It's yeah, out, outrage, outrageous for me. Just so tone deaf. I just can't believe he did it. But you know what? Sometimes <sighs> you just got to laugh at this sport. And that was one of those days I had a good old chuckle. <laughs> but look, I, I agree with you. I agree with you that, look, you know, it, there is things to be admired there. But to pretend that, like, there wasn't issues along the way is insane. Is insane. Yeah. It's um, only in MMA. It's definitely one of those only in MMA things. Um, at least for a bigger sport. Maybe we could see it in some other sports out there. But they're much smaller usually. Um, we'll see what ESPN plus and their Disney parents, uh, think about all that over time. I have a feeling that considering they're the ones that rang him, called him up and said, 
No, you can't put on an event at Tachi Palace. And that's the irony of it, too. So, so he was trying to circumvent the law. Dana White was, you know, famously saying we ran towards regulation instead of running away from it like the old SEG ownership did before, you know, Dana and the Fertitas bought the company. Here he is literally trying to go to Indian reservations and circumvent U.S. law. <laughs> it's like, that's what most of that criticism that he used was actually from, if it was legitimate. It's yeah. like, yeah, don't, you know, like, I don't know, try to skirt the law, maybe. maybe. Maybe don't do that. And I know a lot of us wanted to still see that fight. I mean, it's a tragedy. We didn't see UFC 249. But I think one could argue, this is a hot take, that a pandemic is a bigger <laughs> tragedy. I don't know. Maybe uh, someone can check me on that. I don't know. But who cares? Uh, it's it's all funny. It's very entertaining to talk about. It's almost hey, like... Hey, hey, how about the fact that one of the things that flashes on the screen is... No UFC people lost their jobs. The week before, you told us you're cutting 60 to 80 <laughs> fighters. What? Oh, man. what are we doing? What are we oh, doing here? Oh, dude. Fake news. It was all fake news. Um, Fucking hell. Dana, you've done so much for the sport. You've done some we really good Dana. things. Uh, we love you. There you go. You saved America um, single-handedly. <laughs> Thanks, man. I don't know, man. It's just tough, man. Like you want to like Dana for his accomplishments and taking it out of the dark ages in 2001. By the way, you know, it's not just Happy New Year. It's Happy 20th anniversary in January because that's when they bought him or 19th anniversary uh, in January 2001 is when they bought from the old SEG owners. You've done well, you a lot with the sport. Admire. You can exclusively admire yes. what Dana White has done yes. and criticize what he's done in this instance. Like both that, versions. That, that is acceptable. Yeah. And that's what I'm doing. Yes. He is both people. He is both like this ridiculous character that you're just like, what are you doing, dude? And then he's also like, all right, yeah, you've done some incredible stuff and brought the sport to the level that it is, which I doubt any other one else could be. So he's, he's one of the most dichotomous figures for that exact reason. You know, I don't know. A lot of people could have done what he's done, but he's doing a lot of things that you're just like, dude, what are you? What are you even doing? But I think it's funny. I think it's interesting to talk about. It's very entertaining just to just be like, all right, how did this even happen? Like you said, like the intern just being like, uh, I kind of don't feel right about this. And he's just like, you're, oh, yeah, well, you're going to be one of those employees that get fired if you don't do this. You're going to be one of them. So are you sure trying to stop it. the UFC? Are you trying <laughs> to stop the UFC? Are you a pandemic? Oh, are you a pandemic? God. Oh, my God. <laughs> We're going to start calling you Corona from now on uh, just for this. Um, how trend, I will not say because of the verbiage, uh, but I will paraphrase. Jason just say, Dana at times is a fucking asshole. I'll use that word. Uh, how dare you? Hell, oh my God. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Dana. I can't believe what these crazy commenters are going to say next. You just can't keep control of them. <laughs> Hopefully the commenters will make the video next year as well. Come on, hey, guys. There Good you go. Effort. Stop criticizing Papa White, says Yadvav. Uh, that's a great username as well. But anyhow, I think that this is a fun note to end it on. We're obviously having a bit of fun at Dana's expense here. Um, it's hilarious. But appreciate you, Lawton, for switching everything around, running this show. Yeah, There's always some sort of hiccup as that he always, always has to solve. Yeah, and I did realize I've been, I've been wearing an MMA on point tie <laughs> this whole time, but you guys couldn't see it, so I just had to make that, make that known. Beautiful. But. <laughs> Guys, this is an is award the... show. We took this very seriously. We wore our Sunday best. That's the best clothes he has. This is the best clothes I That's have. It. This is the best clothes that 
Lot has give us some, you know, give us a like for this. We, we dressed really put up in the for best this, we could, you know. I almost wore hair gel. It was crazy. Um, <laughs> I'm not wearing pants. <laughs> the thing is, none of us are. Nope. <laughs> never have been. Never, never have been. Never were. Dude, we've been working from home for so long. It's just pants are not the thing in our lives anymore. We've moved not on. Essential. But not it essential. was an award show, so I did wear some, uh, you know, gym shorts. It's pretty great. Of course. Uh, keep the airflow going. But um, Lawton, you've absolutely killed it from casual to the slightly less casual, the moderate. You're working your way up. Did Can- you read Jay Tivo as you said that? Because you literally. Yes. Okay, I was like, you literally just said what he said. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I tied it into my own statement. I was about to give him a a shout out there. So much, much, much credit to um, everyone on Discord for helping set up all this. They really propelled this whole thing. It was like, oh man, like we've got to do this now. So much credit to Holland. Uh, Hamzat is his name. Uh, Holland is better than Hamzat on uh, Discord. So make sure you join our Discord community if you haven't already. Um, he is on Twitter at FleaCookMax. He even did more than what we had. We had to narrow it down just for the sake of time. Um, so much credit there. Lawton worked really hard on uh, this to help uh, out with all the graphics. PT, of course, for jumping in, making sure that uh, you're making this as fun as possible. And everyone on Twitter that voted. So you guys are awesome. You guys are the rock stars in this situation. Thank you for putting this together for us. Make sure you like this. Make sure you give credit to Caveman Coffee because, again, we wouldn't be putting all this effort in uh, without their support. They really, really help us quite a bit. So, And, yeah, we got your mug on the way. Quit complaining. Quit complaining. It's on the way. Yeah, that's a much better mug, by the way. Much better mug. We've improved. Yes. Um, so you guys are awesome. Make sure to like it. If you haven't subscribed already, let's do that. Might as well. You guys are awesome. We will see you on the very next video. Enjoy the rising card tonight. And uh, yeah, you guys have a great Wednesday. Peace out. Happy New Year. I'm going for a piss.